be out be there out channel please sub and share searching for the truth UFOs aliens grays and ufology stories, real videos, real cases, researched and investigated by professionals in the field and cutting-edge discoveries. Multiple witnesses, abduction accounts brought to you by Team The Out There Channel. Good to Good be to back. back. Five, four, three, two, one. Action, action. Yo, yo, who's up there? Nobody. Hey, hey, let's kick this show off. Um, had a strange day today. Um, my head's been a bit achy today. And, uh, just walked the dog, and now I've gone hopo. Sugar levels dropped, so I had to stop what I was doing and get a cup of tea and eat some sugar. Well, actually, muesli bar. Those yogurt bars are really nice. Probably go too high now. Can't win. You need like a a little robot that connects to you. <laughs> Elon bot. Elon bot. Yeah. That injects and um, monitors your insulin. Insulin. <laughs> yeah, I feel a bit drunk. Uh, that's what happens with insulin and sugar levels. Um, yeah, and monitors monitor your sugar levels in either add in sugar to increase it and then insulin to try and reduce it I don't know it's about time they cured it really instead of spending all that money on wars and vaccines that don't work <laughs> they probably could have cured diabetes with all that money um, how much uh, was spent on the Middle East uh, by the Americans uh, about five trillion isn't it it's still growing So that's what they had to start another war, right? <laughs> With the Russians this time. Uh, who's next? Iran. Well, we're not going to talk about that sort of stuff anyway. Um, stupid humans. Humans are so stupid. Let's 
kind of sad, really. Um, we fight over the most ridiculous things, I tell you. Uh, where we should all be working together to try and figure out what the universe is. This is really what the episode is about tonight, I guess. What is the universe? What is life? Uh, what is the earth? Will it last forever? Um, what if uh, science is, that we believe is solid proof of their findings is not actually true? And we're back at the drawing board again, you know? So this is probably why people um, dive into the realm of religion, right? And they've got to have a purpose in life. So, before we start... And what is God, anyway? I think uh, God is just an ideal thing that we want to hold on to, right? And that we live forever in this afterlife thing. But what if it if we don't? <laughs> and we simply just crumble away into a pile of atoms. Uh, all this idea of energy being beings and uh, all that business uh, souls. But then again, what does all that mean? <laughs> you know, it was paranormal and. Uh, why do some people not experience it? Uh, why are more people open to it? Uh, is that to do with brain chemistry, uh, brain makeup? Um, yeah, or maybe it depends where you live. Uh, the, as we look at Skinwalker Ranch, uh, they claim strange things heaven, but some of their science uh, claims and results, which I've still yet to compile thing. The show's still going, but I will do a rundown of the season. Uh, they're making all these claims that there's strange energies and all that sort of stuff there. Um, but then we got uh, also shows like, uh, what is that one? The Dead Falls, right? Where the psychic goes around with uh, a police detective and uh, she's saying there's all these crazy entities there, you know, not aliens. She's saying aliens are different to the spirit demons or the strange creatures. Um, yeah, how come she gets to see that and we don't? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think we we'll ever, ever understand life, universe and everything, right? And we're going to be fighting over it. <laughs> we're going to have wars over it. Resources. Instead of um, maybe expanding off this um, planet. And looking for more resources further filled. And uh, go from there. So, yeah. It's funny that humans only live up to a maximum of 100 years and we gradually break down you know you see your skin aging and it gets uh, less elastic and you're not you're now you're heading towards that um, end of life every day 
one thing that's guaranteed in this life is taxes and death, right? It's kind of gloomy <laughs> if you think about it. So, yeah. So, why did people get into science and want to try and, and figure out stuff? Obviously, to try and answer all those type of questions. And why do some people resist it, you know? Why do people resist this idea that aliens could be visiting us? Um, I'm in the mindset that maybe aliens could be like the caretakers of the universe, right? And uh, they're just keeping an eye on us, making sure we don't destroy the planet, maybe. Because the planet is part of the universe machine maybe the universe yeah, have you ever seen that um, that sci-fi what's it called um, rest, not the restaurant at the end of the universe so what was it, the other one where you, they get beamed up on a Vulcan ship that's uh, like um, roadworks space roadworks and earth's in the way of their highway so they have to blow it up um, What's that? What's it? What's it? What am I thinking of? Um, I should know it. Um, you know, the universe. The answer is forty-two. The universe is actually like um, like a big organic computer, and uh, they're trying to figure out what life is using the universe machine. <laughs> so yeah. Um, What's his name? Douglas uh, Adams, was it? Uh, what's that? Let's just look it up. <laughs> um, they did a remake, but the t TV show was way better. So I'm going to try and work through some of these tabs and cause uh, related to aliens and UFOs in the process. And uh, open up your minds to other possibilities, hopefully. Um, is it Douglas Adams? See, I can remember that. Now, what was the thing called? <laughs> parrots? Parrots? The universe and everything. Talking about everything. I'm talking about the universe and that comes up. Uh, Hitchhiker's guy. There we go. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, great uh, TV series and books, of course. Um, I think he got the idea, didn't he? Say he woke up, uh, was walking home because he was drunk or something, fell asleep in the ditch on the side of the road, and woke up and got the idea of um, this um, book in the universe. Yeah, it looks like he's been quite busy. But the remake sucked. Uh, kind of a shame. Is he dead now? Nine fifty-two. Is he dead? He must have died. Didn't think he was that old. Uh, 1952, well, I suppose it's pretty end of the war. 
Where did he die off? Died 2001. 9-11. <laughs> I don't know. Have we got a wiki on him? Got sidetracked already, haven't we? <laughs> but that's alright. Um, probably died of old age. That was just... Um, was that um, way before Corona, right? So it could have been that. But what was around 2001, apart from the Middle East War? Oh, he got cancer, did he? Was it 49? 40 was pretty young. Uh, doctor had warned him. Let's have a look. Yeah, let's get him on here. We've been sabotaged already. What do we got? Yes, I'm happy to sell my soul. <laughs> to Ed's uh, creator of Hitchhiker's Guide, Big Creed's Mineral Insights on Life. Universe and everything. Yeah, Stephen Fry. Uh, pay tribute to the best-selling author of comic sci-fi fiction Odyssey. Uh, Adams, whose books sold more than 14 million copies. I would have thought he would have sold billions. You know, it's 8 billion people. Will be remembered for bizarre comic creations that populated the Hitchhiker's books. Uh, he died of a heart attack. Oh, there you go. Well, it's generally what happens when you when you get old, but 49? Several days earlier, doctor had warned him that he had high blood pressure. Oh, dear. It's really sudden. He did not suffer. How'd they know that? How do people know people don't suffer when you get a heart attack? Obviously, if you're in your sleep and you have a heart stroke, you have a stroke and heart attack or whatever. Aneurysm. Uh, makes you wonder if if there was an afterlife, did they know that they died, even, or were they just locked in this endless dream state? <laughs> More questions than answers, as usual. Yeah, so you got to watch, uh, you got to get the blood pressure checked and watch your weight and sh sugar levels and all sorts of things nowadays. High blood pressure I've had pretty much all my life too. <laughs> Even when I was uh, skinny, you know, skinny kid. Uh, comic novels. Just uh, skin reading it here. Adams was born in Cambridge. This led him to joke later that he had been DNA in Cambridge several months before. DNA? Dead on arrival? <laughs> I don't know. 
And Crook made the famous discovery. Ah, right. That was back when they just discovered the, the idea of the double helix, wasn't it? He was five when his parents divorced. Okay. Anyway, I'll post it. And you can have a read of it all if you want to. If you've not seen the, the movie or the TV show, especially, uh, go and grab it. I kind of like the restaurant at the end of the universe. It's kind of really funny uh, that the the Earth Earthlings crash into Earth and uh, the com complete idiots. <laughs> Reminds me of people in ufology, frankly. Uh, spoil it uh, if you've not seen it so yeah um, come and say hi, hi in the side chats so what is um, the, the ideas of the universe um, so apparently we're on a planet that orbits uh, the sun. Try and draw circles. <laughs> oh no, I think we'd be doomed on that orbit path. <laughs> uh, maybe I should just uh, do it the hard way. We should have AI assistant drawing, and that'll probably be the next thing. Circle. Uh, and we've got the sun, we have an orbit, and we're on there, oh, got to click off on there, and there's other things in a solar system, and we're in a spiral arm, so let's say the universe center is there, I mean the galaxy center is there, and we're in a spiral arm. This is what they know. How I don't know. <laughs> but that's what we're told. And we're spinning around in circles. And there's a black hole at the center and we're being all sucked down into it, apparently. Uh, if you want to believe that. But they don't really know what a black hole is, right? It's like, um, they send out, we're sending out radio waves and seeing what comes back. Or we are listening to radio waves being transmitted by uh, planets and other things. And also looking at uh, electromagnetic spectrum of light. So you'd think there'd be like cameras, um, night vision cameras, there'd be some sort of noise, right? So there's got to be noise they're collecting back um, when they're trying to analyze all the stuff. So what kind of data do they emit? 
to maybe fudge the results, you know. Um, is it really a black hole? And what is it exactly, you know? Is that going to be perfectly uh, dark with nothing coming back? Or was there any kind of other noise through that? So the program would have to eliminate certain data to make sure it stays black, if you know what I mean. See, I, I don't trust that we, um, our scientists. I just don't, because they all get paid and funded um, and have agendas that they want to be famous for something, right? Discovering black holes. Um, and of course they're talking about dark energy and dark matter they're telling us it's there <laughs> but uh, we can't detect it or see it so so this will lead into all the tabs I've got coming up probably so we're in a spiral galaxy and the Milky Way Let's uh, bring up a picture of it. So there's uh, the planet orbiting the sun. And it's talking about um, solar wind. Milky Way Galaxy. Okay. But how can you film a Milky Way if you're actually in the Milky Way? <laughs> so, um, why are we on the outer edge of a spiral um, and not further in? Uh, was it all planned? Was it totally random? Then how long would it take for us to be destroyed? Uh, like if there is a really a black hole at the center then where's all that energy and uh, matter disappearing to into another universe or does it simply dissolve into nothing it doesn't sort of conserve energy that way then if that's the case so when you look at the sky you see a bright white streak across the sky uh, where we are so I guess we're looking that way into uh, the spiral arm itself Milky Way where is Earth and how do they calculate that that's the question. So, have we got a diagram? You are here. <laughs> but how do we know we're there? Um, and we orbit at, um, what was it? Uh, 500,000 miles per hour. 
and it takes uh, what is that 300 billion years to do a complete orb uh, circle around the spiral arm so going around here back around again and we could put um, Bing to the test couldn't we so um, let's just bring it up and play with it it boggles your mind when you you ever sit down on a bench at the park and just look at the sky walking your dog <laughs> and you just wonder what's it all about and is it um, Should we really worry about it? Should we just live like um, everyone else seems to? There's a few of us that can't sort of live like everybody else, you know. Other ones that sit down and just watch Coronation Street every night. Cook, eat, sleep. <laughs> Do the washing. Go to work. Uh, the cycle of life. And others um, get paid to be scientists, I guess. How do they know we, uh, let's see, we, if there's an outer edge of spiral, oh. let's see how useless this uh, woke uh, GPT version is, <laughs> here we go. It'll probably give us some sort of copy and paste answer, right? Yeah, see, it's, this sounds just like a copy and paste. It's not what I asked, though, is it? Our solar system is located in the outer spiral arm of Milky Way. It's not what I asked. <laughs> uh, what's the question again? How do we know Earth is in the outer edge of spiral arm? That's what I said. The essential modern picture is that our solar system is located on the inner edge of a spiral arm about 250,000 light years from the center of the galaxy. Scientists have determined our location within the Milky Way, here's maybe the bit, Milky Way galaxy by studying the distribution of stars in a galaxy. Uh, what if they're wrong? <laughs> maybe they're completely wrong. Um, can, let's see if it can answer that one, can they be wrong? <laughs> let's see, I'm going to break um, probably the AI system and they have to shut it down and reboot it. <laughs> uh, there is always a possibility of error. <laughs> there we go. At least it's being honest. Uh, and findings. However, the current understanding of a location in the galaxy is based on extensive research and observation by scientists over many years. Okay, so it's a bit wishy-washy though, isn't it, eh? Um, so what else can we ask it? Um, 20,000 light years. Is there a black hole? Let's just try that one. Black hole in the middle of Milky Way. Let's see what it comes back with. Uh, 
Yeah, come on. Yes, there is a black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Whoop, let's put up some pictures. Oh no! <laughs> Not the end of the cigarette. <laughs> Okay, yes, there is a black hole in the center of the Milky Way. The black hole is known as Sagittarius A. Is that stamp short for A hole? <laughs> and is situated in the middle of the Milky Way, just 26,000 light years away. So we've already got conflict of interests going on here. <laughs> uh, I guess it depends what searched uh, database it looks at or website, I should say. Scientists observed the black hole for four days in April and May 19, 2019 using the Kek 2 telescope in Hawaii. Saw the event. Yeah, and what data did they emit? That's what I wanted to know. Uh, will the Earth ever be uh, sucked? <laughs> sucked down the black hole. Fun, fun, fun. We're all going to die. We know that. Uh, here we go. According to experts, there is practically zero chance of the Earth uh, ever colliding with a black hole before it is swallowed. Huh? by the sun. Uh, hang on. Colliding with that black hole before it's swallowed by the sun in around 5 billion years. So you got 5 billion years to get off this planet instead of fighting over it, I guess. <laughs> so how many humans will that take uh, to even get up to that duration? Uh, 100 years into 5 billion? How many generations? Well, maybe you should ask it a question like that. Is it incredibly unlikely that the Earth would ever fall into a black hole? So what they're saying is the sun's going to keep on expanding until it consumes Earth. And Earth will be destroyed that way. Okay, so let's ask it another question. Will the sun be sucked into the black hole and that will probably say no it will explode into a new galaxy probably <laughs> and it'll be a new black hole at the center I guess I don't know <laughs> who knows yes the Sun will eventually be swallowed well, they're pretty certain on that one the sun eventually will be solid by the black hole at the center of the Milky Way in around 5 billion years. How many generations of humans will it take to be 5 billion? Yes, let's see if it can work it out. It'll probably take the average lifespan or something. Yes, time. Yeah. 
We're gonna do a calculation here. The average, here we go. The average generation time is around 25 years, eh? Therefore, it would take around 200 million generations of human to reach 5 billion years. Average generation time, what's that mean? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Is he talk they're talking about the Bible time. <laughs> you lived to 25 before you had better quality life. What's that little thing there? Evolution, future evolution, brains. Around 20, average generation time, what's that mean? Let's ask it, what do you mean? Uh, average. So you can spend a lot of time with jet. CPT as you can see uh, what do you mean average it's quite a useful tool though it saves a lot of searching and trying to piece it together I think it maybe misunderstood my question I don't know I would have said it may have said the average was 75 years Average generation time is the time between the birth of a parent and the birth of a, their offspring. That's around. Oh, right. So the average uh, age of a woman given birth is 25 years old. And it's not really what I was trying to say, though, was it? <laughs> um, how do I have to word that then? It's quite interesting to see how it sort of thinks, you know. Um, what is the average lifespan of a human? See, this is going to be a bit more complicated because now you're talking about... So you notice it's come up with Mel. Male and female have different lifespans, don't they? Now this could be a woke answer, I guess. <laughs> the average life expectancy of a human is 76. I wasn't too far wrong, was I? I said 75. This is a life expectancy at birth for both sexes. So, makes you wonder. Um, What's uh, the limit to amount of humans planet Earth can hold? Now, will they know? 10 billion, they reckon. So, 
we're in trouble then. So we're at 8 billion at the moment. If Australia want to continue living as we do without making any changes, I never talked about Australians. <laughs> and as the planet we want to meet our footprint, then the number of humans on sustained long term is around 1.9 billion people. What's that mean? So when will we reach 10 billion? I wonder if it'll, it should be clever enough to relate to the last one, all right? According to the United States, the global population expected to reach 9.7 billion by 2050. Not too far away. So, it doesn't that contradict 2,100 years, 2,100. Was that Buck Rogers? Can't ring the bell, Buck Rogers. gets woken up in 2,100. So, we haven't got too long then. That's 23, so what's that? 7 makes it 30. 20... Seven years away. That's not. That's almost billion now. Eight, ten billion. I think probably breeding like crazy will destroy the earth before. Um. Anything else. So you can see why someone might want to invent a virus that tries to knock that right back. Now you've heard of the Georgian stones. Talking about 500 million people. I think it was. Um, it's a bit scary, isn't it? So we've got 27 years to get into space and offload population somewhere. Um, or start war and kill off lots of people. Hmm. Kind of scary when you start putting it all together, doesn't it? Yeah, what do you think out there? Anybody out there? Uh, so where was I going with that? <laughs> it's amazing where one thing leads to another. So yeah, getting back to the diagram. So galaxies all, uh, all over the place in the universe. Alright, oh, I was going to ask it that question. Oh, need to get to this one here. How many galaxies, let's ask it for some stats on this in the universe, and how do they even know? <laughs> Two trillion How do they know that
because Di Grasso said so. <laughs> Hubble Telescope, of course, blame Hubble. A deep field observation, but even that's in question, isn't it? Uh, which suggests that there is about 10 times more galaxies in the observable universe than previously thought. So it's always going to keep on changing, isn't it? Okay, how many stars in each galaxy? I'm kind of enjoying this actually. <laughs> Number of stars in galaxy can vary widely, at least they're not being precise on this one. Depending on the size of the galaxy, for example, the Milky Way is estimated to contain between 100 billion. And 400 billion stars. So that's a big variation there, isn't it? So, so 400 billion multiplied by 2 trillion equals, let's see if it does it. <laughs> Here we go, modifying the number of stars in the Mercury Ray, so it's gone back to the last thing, right? <laughs> Estimate the number of galaxies, uh, rough estimate is 4 times 10 to the power of 3 stars in the observable universe. Uh, so that's uh, 10 with 23 zeros, is that how we see that? Uh, what is that? as a whole number, is that the word we use? I'm not sure. Seems to ring a bell from school days. <laughs> I told you. So how many zeros is that? 4 by 23? <laughs> Now, if you had that many pennies in your bank account, I think you'd be pretty happy. So what if that's all wrong and it's actually doubled it? You see where I'm going? So we're observing everything from the planet or the orbit of the planet, right? Could the universe be infinite? That changes everything then. The shape and curvature of the universe is, uh, depends where it gets its information from, right? are still uncertain. I'm glad it said that. And there are uh, different theories that suggest it could be flat, <laughs> saddle-like, or sphere-like. I think because there's a lot of sphere shapes in, the, uh, in our universe, makes sense that the universe itself is a sphere, right? Rather than being a flat disk or whatever. 
and some of them employ it could be infinite in a different sense. Yeah, it goes against the Big Bang, I think. So, <laughs> However, most scientists currently believe that the universe is not infinite, but finite and constantly expanding. Yes. Now, the observed universe extends 46 billion light years in every direction from us. Hey, we're at the center of the universe again. Okay, I'll just put that through. Does that make us in the center? Because it's so crackpotty to think even that, right? <laughs> Here we go. Was I going to say? Now I'll dig up Steve Hawkins. <laughs> oh. According to the standard theories of cosmology, there is no center of the universe. So how can it be expanded in, uh, in every direction then if there's no no starting point? See, uh, this is where it all sort of at the point. Locals will claim that they sit, are at the center of the universe by the way galaxy move away from them. See, to me that's just like horseshit. <laughs> If we're expanding and the universe comes from a, a single or well, God farting and everything expanded out instantly and created the universe, started forming atoms, which then formed into suns and then formed into um, galaxies and planets and all that sort of stuff, right? And, and the suns produced the heavier elements from the hydrogen, making helium, and from that, all the other heavier atoms. Sounds all good, but we just don't know. But some people will claim that's the way it is. Um, I just don't like this answer here. I really don't. There is no center of the universe. It has to be. How can we expand everywhere without a center point? I suppose that's meant to be one word to give, is it? Um, where is that? It's just repeating. The balloon fabric in is space, and now we got a balloon. We got balloons in the sky here called UFOs, <laughs> mostly. Dots marked on the surface. Crater galaxies will move apart as the balloon expands. So it's talking about uh, uh, the galaxies being on the surface of a balloon, right? So that means if it's a surface, what's uh, in the rest of the stuff below the surface? And how can it be expanded in all directions then? Because, um, so that doesn't make sense. You can see it's starting to fall apart already. In my mind's eye, it is. Um, uh, I suppose we probably have to draw it. 
So it's saying, I'll just get rid of that one. Saying that the universe is like that, but on the surface itself, which we have to draw little squiggles. Uh, go for blue. Uh, the galaxies, right? All different directions, like a surface of a board, ball, right? And that's just uh, a balloon or whatever. And that's expanding all the time. expand it so the gaps in between are going to get bigger and bigger and then it goes pop <laughs> but what's uh, below all that you know <laughs> dark matter uh, how do we would I don't know how you'd word that to the AI in that case what is below the galaxies? Uh, I have to zoom it a bit. Galaxies, galaxy, galaxy, I can't even spell it. Yeah, come on, you should better fill it in for me. <laughs> galaxies below the surface of the balloon well he said it did say balloon didn't it <laughs> this is like talking to Di Gracio or one of those other TV scientists the balloon energy is just a way to visualize it. Yeah, maybe that visualization is wrong. It is not meant to be taken literally. There is no surface of the balloon or anything below it. The universe is three-dimensional, expanding in all directions. See, um, again, that doesn't wash with me. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, let's see. Is there an edge to the universe? You can see why school kids are confused. Because um, they don't know. They just don't know. The only way we're going to know is we've got to get into space and start exploring it. But how are they going to do that? I don't know. It's going to have to be done with um, livable spaceships and look all the things that could come towards the spaceship and destroy it. So you'd have to set up bases uh, on different planets as like a safeguard, right? As far as we can tell, there is no edge to the universe. Space spreads out infinitely in all directions. But doesn't that make that an infinite universe then? <laughs> eh? You see what I mean? It's, you've got to wrap it into your brain, all this stuff. And uh, 
how, how do we get get around this one? But if it's expanding, there must be an edge. <laughs> Here we go. No edge. I'll be banned from Bing soon. According to observations made by astronomers, the universe is com com constantly expanding, meaning the space spreads out infinitely in every direction. I really, really know that. Galaxies and nebulas and stars fill out all of the space throughout this infinite universe. Still didn't answer the question. Let's see. Uh, that didn't answer my question tab. <laughs> see, it can't, see, this is where AI is not really AI. I'm sorry. Oh, we've broken it. I don't understand what you're asking. Could you please rephrase it? You'll never understand because you're just a stupid AI. And people were worried it's going to be put into terminators and wipe us all out. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, okay, let's prog we're not going to get anywhere there. But this shows you, this is taking the information that they plug in from the internet and, and science papers and all that. And uh, you can use this like a tool quickly to see where it's leading to. Uh, looks like it won't let me type in anymore. <laughs> new topic. <laughs> Terminated. Okay, new topic. <laughs> How fast do we move uh, on spot um, I think it's 500,000 miles per hour. Gilmont. Ah, is it Mars? What we got here? Ah, I'm fifty thousand miles off. Okay, wasn't too bad by memory. Now, on top of the solar system orbits the center of the Milky Way at average velocity of eight hundred and twenty-two. 28,000 miles per hour. Oh, it's the center of the Milky Way. Okay, so it's rounded it up for some reason. Why? Even at the high speed, it takes the sun about 230 million years to make one complete trip around the Milky Way. I said 300 million years, so that wasn't too bad. It wasn't too far off. <laughs> Um, how long would you need to live 
to travel to the next uh, what do you call it Goldie let's uh, not spell it Goldie locks if like planet from ours let's see what comes up with that one Put it would fill in, fill in all the other stuff. The closest known exoplanet that is in the habitable zone of its star is Proxima Centauria B. Hmm, it seems to ring a bell. That name is it? The ancient people used to say that aliens used to come from there. Can't remember now. Sirius B was another one, uh, which is about 4.2 light years away from Earth. A light year is the distance that light travels one year. Blah blah blah. Uh, 5.8 trillion miles. Uh, it's not too far then. <laughs> uh, so if you would travel at the speed of light, it would take you 4.2 years to reach. Yeah, but we don't travel at the speed of light. <laughs> um, okay. What is the fastest rocket speed in space? There we go. So this is now diving into more theory, isn't it? Because if you're constantly acceleration, you're the speed's going to go. Okay, how long would that ship take to reach Proxima? Yeah, we know that. We need to be joining it together. Did it actually answer it, or did it totally ignore the question? <laughs> uh, 17... It did give us an answer. 17... 160 years. 17,160 years. So, how many Earthlings would that take? Divide it by 75. Oh, actually, can we do math symbols here? 75 equals. Let's give it a try. They'll probably talk about You'll probably see what I'm trying to do, right? We'll see what it comes up with. Oh, there you go. So we're going to need 
228-29 humans in a spacecraft. <laughs> so that means you'd have to give birth and uh, keep it going. And then you got uh, the 25-year thing, right? Yeah, it's getting too late in the night for to wrap my head around all that. <laughs> so, yeah. It's going to have to be a livable ship that can travel at that speed. Uh, what is it now? Twenty hundred and sixty-five thousand miles per hour. Not too fast. Ah, it says fifty-four thousand here, though. Well, that's quite a lot of more people. A thousand people, almost, isn't it? So NASA's Juno probe reached speeds of one hundred and sixty-five thousand. Is it into into orbit around Jupiter? Even at that rate, the probe would reach Proxima. So we wanted it in that one there. Yeah. So the real thing is fifty-four thousand years divided by seventy-five. Do I have to put equals? So that increases quite a lot of people. But then you need a whole team of people. You'd have to train them up. Would the the, the re the next generation be any better? You know, would they be thicker? <laughs> um, it's like uh, Generation Z, Generation X, and Generation Y. They seem to be getting more dumber as the years are going on. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's a bit of fun, working all this out. So how would you be able to do a livable ship, you know, um, you'd have to recycle the water, wouldn't you? Or collect asteroids on the way. I see asteroids and take the water from them. But traveling at that speed, you ain't, you ain't going to have time to slow down. 54, uh, what was it? Um, not 54. Uh, at that speed there. How many miles per second would that be? 500. Miles per hour to um, two feet per second since we're dealing with Americans here. There we go. Almost a million feet per second. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, but couldn't it, it keep 
accelerating faster and get there faster. But then you got um, let's see if it. Then you got the material science things, where uh, as you go faster, are you more likely meet um, tiny meteorites, micrometeorites hitting the shell of the craft, which simply destroy you as you get faster and faster. Then you get here we go <laughs> eighty thousand years. However, other ideas could make interterrestrial possible. For example, gradually accelerating up to twelve percent of the speed of light at any eighty million miles per hour. <laughs> A craft could travel in thirty-six years. Well, that's uh, a better, better way to look at it, I guess. Mm. But you never come back alive. You're stuck there once you got there. So if you're like in, uh, say, say 30 years old, you're going to be like 66 time you get there. Uh, you're not going to be in physical prime shape anymore. And you're not, definitely not going to come back because you'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can see uh, it's always going to be more questions than answers. How are we going to solve all these problems? Hey, John P, how's it going? Uh, my son's fifth birthday. Okay. Well, you don't have to stay here then. <laughs> Just going to celebrate his birthday. Um. Well, at least you uh, had the decency to say hello. So, uh, we got two people there on the side. So, this is all the sort of stuff I think about all the time. Um, but the average Joe probably doesn't, right? And especially if you're religious, you probably just stick with the old religion, right? And just accept what the church tells you. Uh, I just don't think it's good enough. <laughs> Got a bouncy castle. Well, don't do it when you're drunk. <laughs> um, yeah, um... They can go terribly wrong, the bouncy castle. Wasn't it on the news recently? Where a lot of kids got injured or something and the wind took it upwards and tipped it upside down or something. <laughs> so, getting back to this drawing here. So they're trying to tell us to visualise that, but the universe is not like that. And <laughs> it doesn't have an edge. And to me, it doesn't make any sense all this stuck on the Big Bang. You know, Big Bang's got to come from a center point, right? And expand in every direction.
So I think it's all a bit of horseshit myself. I don't know about you guys out there. Yes, I heard the crazy stories. <laughs> uh, late night. Yeah. Oh well. Well, just keep watching it and make sure it's anchored down, I guess. I suppose um, anything can go wrong, though. <laughs> Uh, what they blow it up with hot air, is it? Or just compressed air from a big machine outside? There was a fake story years ago about a bouncy class that took off into the air and it had a kid inside. All that was uh, made up. Publicity stunt, I think. But yeah, getting back to the universe. Uh, what am I doing? So if it's a flat disc, right? Again, quite suggest there's an edge, doesn't it? <laughs> You've got, still got edges. Um, and it's got to have a center, right? If the universe is flat, flat and it's expanding, there must be in all directions, then they must be expanding from something, right? You can see the conflict I have, and I think everybody else would have the same conflict. Uh, where was I going to go with this, though? Alright, so let's say... Um, I don't want to change colour. I want to draw a little galaxies on it. Okay, so these are all the galaxies spread throughout this disk. If it's flat, not a space ball. <laughs> then what happens when they get to the edge? If there is an edge, do they simply just fall off? Ow. Fall off the side. And where do they go to? <laughs> like water, you know. Flows off like a river. Both sides. So is that another possibility? But the only way you can say that if it's infinite and there's no edge. You see you see what I mean? It's uh, complicated. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's almost like the flat earth uh, model, isn't it? Hmm. Well, maybe that's what happens. Maybe it is flat like that. But then again, if you, if you expand in all different directions, it can't be flat, right? Because we we expand in this way, but we can't be expanding this way because it's flat. We're not seeing anything above or below us, right? So there's a conflict. Unless it's like a reflection. Uh, there's all sorts of problems, isn't there, with this model? Has to be expanding sphere of some sort if, if it's expanding, but maybe 
it's just endless in all different directions and we're constantly moving through space and it even gets even more complicated then So where's all the great UK thinkers out there in ufology land? <laughs> or even USA. What's, what's the time in USA at the moment? Come on, you're meant to all be better than me. You might better figure this stuff out. And tell me that I'm wrong all the time. Where's Gabaroo? He's got all the answers. <laughs> um... So if the universe is not a shape at all and it's endless so it would have to be like that but there's no edge and we're constantly moving Well, stuff's moving away from us, Milky Way. And does that mean that we can only see light to a certain distance? Oh, need a line. So do we only see, say, with that one there, that one there? Do we only see light? Maybe light has a finite, fine, finite, fine, finite um, energy. Just wibbles. Eventually, it just uh, stops traveling, gets absorbed. So that's another problem. Is is the light coming from all these other galaxies that are further away? Is the light being absorbed by something like? some other make-believe brown matter <laughs> dark matter um, dust particles uh, I just don't think anyone has a clue what's going on tell the truth so anyway Hopefully uh, you enjoyed that anyway. <laughs> it was a bit of fun. Oh, I've got and closed the wrong thing. Have I? Oh, great. <laughs> Don't save. Uh, open it up again. What a dummy. Yeah. So let's just go through. What I've got here of all the different conflicts uh, where people are asking questions the same way and not really being really happy with it all. <laughs> Shirley, you've been hiding the same model series. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. That's a load of bollocks. Have you been watching so far? In fact, I probably spent an hour on it already, have I? <laughs> Here we go, an hour and 15 minutes and all that. But it was a lot of fun. 
So let's start working through the tabs as we never get through it. <laughs> so uh, this, uh, before we start that off, to start off with something that Goofon was talking about, about Australia. And I thought, hmm, I think we need to do a fat chicken on this uh, thing. The thing is, I probably won't be able to play it because BBC, uh, David Attenborough, um, they don't honour fair use. And I don't really want to get a claim if I can help it. Lyra Birds, Mimicking Chainsaws, Fact or Lie. So I found this article here, 2014. So as you know, Australia's got a load of parrots, and you know parrots can, and even budgies can mimic things, but it's not really 100% good, is it, uh, what they mimic, human voices or whatever. They kind of sound a bit like uh, Travis Taylor, <laughs> with the Mexican mouse voice. <laughs> Ariba, what is that name? Speedy, Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> uh, the Lyra bird is considered one of Australia's best known birds. Uh, you might recognize them from our 10 cent coin. Yeah, I do. But I never really thought about it. But do we really know them? Uh, famed for their particular uh, courtship display you may have seen footage of Lyra birds mimicking human noises such as chainsaws and camera clicks and yeah I'm not sure if you can play it or not you can see it's got BBC studios uh, straight away is it going to play probably not there he is. So near the end is where it does the chainsaw thing. Why is it not moving along here? Do I have to change that font again? It's not going to go. So it's not quite right. This, um, I suppose I could pitch bend it, <laughs> make it sound different. Google might not like that though. Let's uh, just open it up separately. No, it's not sort of allowing me to click it. Copyright, copyright. You normally can click on that. But I think this thing is stuffing it up. Hang on, let me just turn it off. Uh, there's a pop-up. I didn't see it because it changed the color to black. <laughs> That's why it wasn't working. Okay. In his attempt to out... Anyway, let's see if we can do the pitch change. <laughs> I haven't used this in a while since uh, Tyler Klockner 
debunking those fake things. Uh, so we can slow it down. And we can make it higher pitch, maybe. Outsing his rivals incorporates other sound. Oh, he sounds a wee bit more pitchy. Ah, why did it turn off? That he hears in the forest. Is it turning it off? He's turning it off. <laughs> you rat bags. Maybe because it's uh, embedded. Um, let's just open it up. See if it still does that. On. Oh, right, the top one's a pitch. But anyway, shouldn't really matter. Oh, there you go. It's working now. That was a camera shutter. So it can mimic cameras. <laughs> Let's slow it down a bit there. I'll just pause it every so often as well. And again. So the sound of a clicker of a shutter. <laughs> yeah, we want to move it on a bit onto the other sounds. Police car. <laughs> now where's the chainsaw? Crazy birds. Chainsaws working nearby. Yeah, why aren't we seeing it do it though? So are they lying to us, BBC here? Is the question. Uh, I was a wee bit suspect. Does sound like a chainsaw though. And someone's sawing. So yeah, so this is where I found this article here. <laughs> so we get down here. Master mimic. So they are do mimic other birds, that makes sense, right? Just like humans mimic moose calls and uh, ducks and then get them to get closer so they can shoot them. <laughs> But why would they mimic other birds? Uh, I don't think they eat other birds. Probably eat insects only and maybe um, bugs. Kind of looks like a, a peacock, doesn't it? So this is another one of these myths in the universe that we live in. <laughs> the chainsaw myth, here we go. From whence comes the myth that lyra birds in the world mimic chainsaws and other mechanical sounds. A likely candidate is David Attenborough's Life of Birds series. And it, although Attenborough peers at, peers at the bird and 
the camera from behind a tree whispering to us about the bird mimicking sounds that he hears from the forest. We are compelling footage of a bird imitating a camera, motor drive, car alarm and chainsaw. This uh, Attenborough moment is highly popular, but hold on! He fails to mention that two of the three lyre birds, lyre birds were captives, one from... So they were in the forest. <laughs> they were filming it in a zoo. Wildlife Sanctuary and others from Adelaide Sioux. This later individual Chuck was famed for his hammers, drills and saws. Sounds he reputedly acquired when the Sioux's pounds enclosure was built. Hand raised from a chick. Also known to do a car alarm. And well, a human voice uh, intoning, hello, Chuck. <laughs> hello, Ducky. Would have been a better one. He died in 2011. Ah, age 32. Yeah, just makes you wonder why a parrot can live 100 years and one of those only lives 32 years. This is another mysteries of the universe. Uh, why would... God build all these strange end times, especially dogs. <laughs> Why only give dogs like uh, 15 years lifespan? Seems like a cruel thing to do to humans <laughs> that befriend them. Uh, the fact that the lyre birds in captive mimic human machines and voices which with such fidelity should be a substantial enough achievement to warrant our awe. So it's legit and there's the 10 cent coin in Australia with the bird on it. Anyway I'll post it there and you can actually play the video. Hopefully I didn't get any, you know it's fair use guys but it doesn't matter with BBC. <laughs> Lyra bird. Oh, that's why I mucked around with the pitch change thing. But uh, the bot's getting a bit more clever now, unfortunately. Doesn't always work. We'll see what happens anyway. Go and play the video on that. Oh, yeah, that's been banned, is it? Or have I been banned? Are we still alive? So still connected. So why won't it let me post it? Uh, era try again. Uh, then okay, I'll just post the link again. Did it go that time? There's something weird going on. Uh, missed out the E. I think, how's that? Let's see, get rid of that one. 
Yeah, so that's one tab done. <laughs> Been working on House Duncan got eye surgery. Wish I could. <laughs> uh, been going to music channels. Okay. I suppose you'll be deleting that comment now. <laughs> okay, let's uh, moving on. Go through all the other goodies we got here. Again, I don't think we're going to be able to get through all of it, but we might be able to get rid of a few of them. Hey, right, this one. 20 Space Myths busted. That should be good. Um, I wonder if the colour filter thing is going to mess up though. Don't be fooled. Many of these misconceptions even sound plausible. Okay, let's go from. I thought this was actually quite a good article. I'll just uh, minimise that down. Uh, I wonder if it's worth uh, reading it out. Mm, maybe just summarise it then. I'll see how I go because um, my eyes are not too bad tonight. But uh, I might get a headache later. Uh, the left eye is all blurry, and I'm, I've got a clear right eye. But I've got to have both open, <laughs> else I start um, losing my depth perception. Uh, Laura Mears is a keen science writer. Yeah, okay. Black holes suck. <laughs> okay, we've just been through the black holes. Okay, so we're a bit, I'm a bit suspicious about black holes. Um, First picture of a black hole, yeah, so they say. Okay, black holes have a gravitational pull so intense not even light can escape their clutches. They drain the life out of stars, ripping away layers of gas and shredding the component atoms. Uh, they are often portrayed as a vast cosmic vacuum cleaners capable of clearing huge areas of space however the black holes of science fact and science fiction are not entirely unlike in reality black holes behave almost exactly like any other massive object in the universe the speed required to escape the gravitational pull of an object, whether it is a planet or a black hole, is known as the escape velocity. For an object like the Sun with a modest gravitational pull, an object only needs to travel at the speed of 384 uh, miles per second to escape. If this speed cannot be achieved, the object will fall back down toward the solar surface. And the event horizon of a black hole, even something traveling at the speed of light, almost 186,000 miles per second, would not be fast enough to escape. And the only option would be to continue inward. 
the further away from the object you go, the lower the escape velocity and far from the event horizon. Black holes behave just like stars. Objects passing far enough away and at high enough speed are uh, uh, in no danger of being pulled into the center. And if the sun were swapped with a black hole of the same mass today, Earth would continue to orbit as normal. So that's not what we heard from the AI bot that we were playing around with just before, right? Remember it said the sun would eventually be sucked down the black hole and the Earth would be destroyed by our sun because as it expands, as it gets older. Way before climate change might kill us, right? <laughs> In fact, um, all that heat wave we've got at the moment, I just wonder if the... I'd like to know what the sunspot activity is doing because they they keep pushing this climate agenda as I call it and not actually providing us um, all the other facts um, yeah so might actually see if we can actually find the information actually now I think about it um, is the sunspot activity different uh, in July? Too average, maybe. Maybe I have to ask, I might just copy that to Jet. Uh, chat GPT. I wish I had a better name because it's just a gets me tongue twisted. That name it's stupid. I should call it AI Chat. It's easy to say. As sunspot count reaches a 21 year high, <laughs> there you go. They don't tell us this. Okay, let's just open this up and have a read. Threat of keratin level solar storm for Earth rises. So this is talking about this month, right? The month average sunspot number for June was 163. Oh God, what's all this crap coming up? Uh, which has taken 2023 as the year with the highest number. Oh, sunspots since 2002. See, they don't tell us this on the news. No, it's got to be humans pumping out CO2. There's all other factors that has to be taken into account. Now, I shouldn't really go on about this, but it really just annoys the crap out of me that all these climate scientists know the answers. Uh, just like everybody claims to know what the universe is. Uh, frustrates the hell out of me. So, what is the average though? I have to read all the skunk. Um, solar cycle 25 has shot past solar cycle 24. Um, 
The number of sunspots on the sun is directly related to the intensity of the solar peak. That's uh, too complicated, isn't it? <laughs> you see what I mean? Most people are not going to worry about all that sort of stuff. But I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. You've got to always question everything. <laughs> that's the title of my show today. Uh, climate change. Sunspots. So I said... Um, Back in 2019, right, when they grounded all the planes, that means all those artificial clouds that they produce as contrails wasn't reflecting as out a lot of that solar heat back into space like normally. And I said the following year, expect uh, strange weather patterns, like um, lots of rain, floods, and extreme temperature waves. And that's exactly what happened. Now we've got um the sunspot activity being abnormal but anyway uh that's probably another topic and it's probably a banned topic as well you're not allowed to question climate scientists as you're a denier and you got all the kids protesting uh what's that girl's name um how dare you <laughs> Uh, so we got Shelly on the side still. Uh, what have we got here? I just saw the solar flares are big now. Yeah, so according to the article, but we don't want to spend too long on that. Agreed. So I think there's a lot of lies, a lot of what's the reason behind it all. And as we just also looked at earlier, the population of the planet is going to hit uh 10 billion by 2050 and that exceeds the limit the earth can support so what's going to happen then and that's will i still be alive that's the question uh probably not it won't be my problem it would be my sister's kids i don't i don't think i'll find anyone to have kids with now <laughs> so it'd be their kids they're gonna maybe live in apocalypse world so that means there's going to be more wars there's going to be more dangerous wars brutal wars as humans fight over resources in the next 27 years is it uh, or was it 37 uh, no 27 yeah 27 years it's going to be an interesting time. So, yeah, whether I'll be alive, I don't know. I'm in the 50s now. So, add on 27. <laughs> that makes it 77. So, it's getting up there. Will I live past 80s into 90s? Uh, don't know. My granddad got to. 97 was it or 98 he got up there he had a lot of uh, health issues with his stomach all his life that's probably where i get it from dna so on to the next one anyway <laughs> so hopefully you're enjoying what i'm doing here anyway um like i said i do things a lot different than other people of course all this relates to 
UFOs and aliens. And uh, opens up your mind to more possibilities that we don't really know what's going on. And it still could even be more strange than we understand with multiverses and uh, connection points. Uh, so, like I was saying on that diagram, if we're expanding and suddenly we are sort of dropped off the edge, <laughs> maybe that edge goes into the next universe and another one drops in galaxies from maybe it's like a stack of discs with all these discs being a universe. <laughs> I just don't know. And maybe there's holes in the discs. Uh, like over our galaxy, there might be a hole in the disc, which is over max, uh, has random points that occur over Earth, which opens up portals that allows um, people from the previous, the upper universe to come and visit us. Oh, we could get together and start writing some decent sci-fi scripts, right? Uh, maybe use uh, chat GPT, because they're now protesting at the moment, Hollywood and all that, saying that the AI is going to take our jobs away. But unfortunately, as you saw when I was testing out the AI with all those questions, it hasn't got imagination, it hasn't got creativity. All it can do is take bits and pieces and examples from other people and merge it together. It doesn't sort of... It can't sort of create something from nothing. It needs a base. Unlike humans, we can create something from nothing. We can imagine uh, something completely crazy. Like, imagine that the universe is, is actually in, in the ice cream of a kid's ice cream cone uh, on, on another universe where... They're larger scale than us. Yeah, would a would a creative AI be able to even come up with something like that, unless it was typed in on the web somewhere, where it can use that idea? Uh, here we go. Earth is closer to the sun in summer. Okay, so you've heard about uh, climate change before. Again, this probably relates to that. Most people know that the Earth doesn't travel around the Sun in a perfect circle. So it's easy to see why some make the leap and assume that the seasons are caused by the distance to the Sun. But the idea doesn't hold up when you think that the Northern and Southern Hemispheres experience summer at different times. Hey, we're talking about New Zealand and America. It's freezing here and you're cooking over there. Earth's orbit isn't as elliptical as people imagine. And over the course of a year, the distance between Earth and the Sun varies by just 3.1 billion miles. Is that all? <laughs> it sounds like a lot. I wouldn't mind that in dollars in the bank account. Uh, that's only about 3%. What's more during winter, what's more, during winter in the northern hemisphere, hemisphere, we are actually closer to the sun than we are in summer. How weird. The real reason for the seasons is the axle tilt 
off the earth as the year progresses. Light hits the northern and southern hemisphere at approximately different angles and for different amounts of time every year, every day. During the winter, the days are short and the light strikes the atmosphere at a low angle, glazing through the gases as it travels towards the surface and spreading out as it reaches the ground, distributing the energy. During the summer, the days are much longer and the sunlight hits the earth at a steep angle, taking a more direct path towards the floor and concentrating the energy into a smaller area. So, there you go. But you'd think everything has an impact, wouldn't you? Uh, if you're further away from the sun, as you know, the planets on the outer edge get really, really cold. But 3% is not much of a, a variation. Mm. It's got to have some impact. But anyway, that's science for you. The sun is burning. Didn't they used to think it, the sun was like a, a dense uh, coal seam and it was on fire? <laughs> I think it was something like that. So, next one. Fire needs three things to survive. Fuel, heat and oxygen. The sun has fuel as it is composed mainly of hydrogen and helium. Helium is an inert element and does not burn like some of its volatile neighbors on the periodic table. Periodic table. But hydrogen is highly flammable. The sun also generates an enormous amount of heat energy and its surface is about well, we'll just round it up, 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit or 5,500 degrees Celsius. Uh, however, there is no oxygen in space, so the fire travel uh, triangle is completely incomplete for the sun. I mean, in reality, the sun isn't actually a ball of fire, and instead the heat and light that it produces are the results of... Thermonuclear fusion inside the high pressure, high heat environment of our star, high speed hydrogen atoms come within one thermometer, uh, thermometer, <laughs> thermometer of each other. That's point zero 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 one of a meter. So she's not talking about feet here or inches. Uh, a collision at that distance allows two nuclei to fuse together, forming helium and releasing huge quantities of energy and gamma ray radiation. Uh, every second inside the sun, 700 million tons of hydrogen smash together to form 650,000 tons of helium which triggers 
more fusion in a chain reaction and keeps the, this natural nuclear reactor going. Um, but if it fuses into helium, surely we need more hydrogen to keep it going. See what I mean? Yeah, things things a wee bit confusing there to me. I don't know about you. So form two hydrogens form helium or whatever, and releases energy. But they're not going to come splitting apart from helium back into hydrogen, are they? And that's what atomic bombs are about. Um, don't know if you can ask Jack Chat DPT on that one. Where did we get to? Is it timed out? What's happened here? Looks like it timed out. So, um, if hydrogen. We've got so much to learn, haven't we? Hydrogen fuses together in sun. How, where does more hydrogen come from? Come from there. Let's see what the mastermind will come tell us. Uh, let's see if it gets around spelling mistakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to confuse it. <laughs> Where does hydrogen come from in the sun? Oh, well, we'll see what it says there. The sun gets this hydrogen. There we go. From the process of nuclear fusion, where two protons fuse together to form a diproton, which is highly unstable configuration where two protons temporarily create helium-2 a tiny fraction of time, one in ten... what's that number? It's <laughs> uh, quite a lot of zeros and that the diproton will decay to deuterium a heavy isotope of helium about three quarters of the sun is hydrogen, which is constantly fusing together. So let me just see if we can get our brain around that. So two hydrogens merge together and form helium-2, which is highly unstable. Is that what they're saying? And then it decays back into hydrogen again. So, releases energy when it forms. If it decays back into hydrogen, that means it's got to absorb energy again from the sun, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I'm not going to get through everything tonight. 
does that mean the decay absorbs energy? There we go. Switching, switching. Yes, decay can absorb energy. Okay. When radioactive atoms decay, they release energy in the form of ionized radiation. Okay, let's see if we can wrap our minds around this one. <laughs> so they release ionized alpha particles, beta waves, and gamma rays. The energy is called ionization, yeah, because it's has enough energy to knock tightly bound electrons from the atom's orbit. This causes the atom to become a charged ion. Uh, does that really answer it? Doesn't, does it? Uh, wouldn't that absorb the energy back from helium uh, hydrogen fusion I think there's something missing in our science you know Uh, so now it's getting a bit more complicated. No, decay does not absorb energy from fusion. High energy collisions between light and nuclear can result in fusion, which releases energy. Fusion of nuclear with lower mass than iron releases energy, while fusion of nuclear heavier than iron generally absorbs energy. Yeah, I don't think it's understanding where we're going. I think Tesla uh, wrecked his brain on this sort of stuff. This is why he came up with the idea of the ether, right? That the sun's constantly uh, absorbing energy from the ether, which in our minds and in modern day mindset is actually dark energy, right? And from dark matter. That kind of makes sense. Uh, but this doesn't make sense to me. Well, I've not really looked into fusion and fission and all that sort of stuff. There's too much things to look into to understand. That's why you have scientists specialise in certain areas. But that must be why the sun gets old, right? It must be... So maybe what it does is it releases energy, but it also absorbs some of the energy, but most of the energy escapes, and eventually uh, the sun breaks down. But then wouldn't uh, asteroid impacts and all that fuel more atoms into the mixture? Carbon, H2O, there's hydrogen there, right? 
So I couldn't literally keep on burning forever in that case. There's always uh, rocks and stuff being poured into the suns. I suppose we have to probably look at full process of fusion. Um, what is H two? Uh, what uh, what is normal helium? I think that might be the clue there. Okay, Let's see what it comes up with. This is going to fry our brains. Normal healing composition. Let's see. Composed of two electrons in atomic orbits surrounding a nucleus of containing two protons and usually two neutrons. Ordinary here contains five parts per million. How's that different to H2? Helium dimmer. Dimmer? Dimmer. Helium dimmer, which is Van de Waals molecule consisting of two helium atoms for helium four cryogenic. So this is cryogenics again. <laughs> we were talking about that last live. Two liquid forms, helium one and helium two. Helium one is warmer form, helium two is colder. The transition temperature called the lambda point. Ah, uh, it's too much, isn't it? What's that meant to mean? Consistent of two helium atoms opposed to four helium atoms. Four helium four. Uh, what's H two? What H two? Go go up here. Just see helium two, temporary create two helium two, a tiny fraction of time. The diproton will decay. To deuterium, a heavy isotope of hydrogen. Three quarters of the sun is hydrogen, which is constantly fusing together and creating helium by the process called nuclear fusion. But that helium then breaks back into hydrogen. See, you see what I, what I mean? What am I missing? <laughs> so it's, it's got to be maybe not an equal equal energy in and out. Okay, let's, uh, why does the sun 
expand as ages because Could that be the reason why the universe expands? <laughs> um, so what have they got? As the star ages, interior temperatures increase. Why? <laughs> and the region where fusion can occur at temperatures at 4 million Kelvin and up expands outward. Overall, the rate of fusion and the volume where fusion occurs increases over time. The result in the sun and all sunlight stars increase its energy output as it ages increasing its energy output as it ages the burning hydrogen in the shell around the core simply increases the brightness of the sun because the size of the star has expanded the surface cools down and goes from white to Where's the rest of it? <laughs> white goes from white hot to... Uh, where's the more button? What's happening there? Two. The sun won't die for five billion years. We already went through that track. <laughs> the burning hydrogen in the shower around this core simply increases the brightness. So you probably have to go to that web page that it's using there then. How'd they know all this though? <laughs> How do the scientists really know all this? You'd have to observe a sun doing this, right? Another distant sun. Uh, this is science just really frustrating. I can see why Tesla had a bit of trouble with it. Uh, Shelly, sorry, I don't want to cause what John out to leave. Yeah, he's he's got a son's birthday party happening. Uh, was going to leave com comments up. My health isn't. Holden, but be fine. Thank you, Charlie Roo. Okay, I'm not sure actually who is here. Oh, we got Michael King above you, snuck in, snuck in the back door again. Are you still there? <laughs> Who's there out there? Anybody there? Yo, yo, say yo if you're home. Am I bashing the science brain cells together here too much? There we go. I'm here. Yo! <laughs> I think you're the only one left now. Me and the AI chatbot to scared off everybody trying to understand science. And we can see there's... It's not so easy. Uh, we were just working through the myths here. I'm not sure how much uh, you've been watching. Ah, oh, Shelley's still here. Well, how come it only says one there? 
maybe you're one of two like uh what's that uh seven on star trek she's seven of whatever <laughs> how many of her were there seven of million Yeah, they talk about double gangers, so maybe you're double gangers. You, uh, which one are you? A ying, and which one of you is yang? <laughs> ying yang. Uh, I just got here. Had a long sleep in today. Oh yeah, slacker. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be having a sleep in after this show too. But I'll probably get woken up by all the noise in the house, like I did today. Uh, so I didn't get extra sleep like I wanted to. <laughs> anyway, where did we get to? So... Talking about the sun. Uh, what was this one? The sun is burning. So we know it's a fusion reaction, and that's why we went to GPT to work out where all the hydrogen's, how it gets recycled. Uh, by the sounds of it, Full, forms hydrogen, which is a helium that's unstable, and then forms hydrogen again. But it's got to be gradual loss of energy. I would have thought, combine and splitting apart, combine and splitting apart. I thought that would be why the sun expands. But why? I don't think they really under, really know. I, I just think they're making some of it up. <laughs> I think uh, this is what we need to talk to Alien Grace. Uh, they might have been around for billions of years and know a lot better than what we do. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I think maybe Alien Grace could be caretakers of the universe. And that's why they hide in plain sight. <laughs> uh, maybe they have a headquarters or a department store in the deep ocean there. And they come out occasionally. And tease a goof on and other people. <laughs> and stick needles in me. Um... What's that one there? The astral belt is very hadasus. Hadasus, yeah. Uh, there is no doubt that there is a lot of rock in the area of our solar system known as the asteroid belt. Uh, sitting between Mars and Jupiter, this band of fragments contains over 300,000 minor planets. And more than, I suppose that's what they call Pluto now, is it? <laughs> and more than 750,000 separate asteroids, measuring more than uh, 3,280 feet, 1,000 meters across. The larger asteroids sometimes collide, spraying small fragments into the belt. And according to myth, endangering any spacecraft that dares to wave its way through. But like Star Wars, I guess. Uh, yep, here we go. It's actually talking about Star Wars. The myth has been fueled by science fiction, 
when Han Solo takes the Millennium Falcon into the asteroid field in Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back. C-3PO warns Sir the possibility of successful navigation in asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. If the Hoff asteroid field was anything like our own, he couldn't have been more wrong. (laughs) See, the AI in that 3P3O is all wrong. In the 1970s, NASA's Pioneer 10 became the first spacecraft to navigate its way through the asteroid belt. Only a layer of aluminium, or aluminum to Americans, honeycomb protected Pioneer. Uh, But despite the apparent danger, it made it through with no trouble not because of careful evasion but because the distance between asteroids is huge and space is huge Uh, uh, the belt spans an area of space approximately 140 million miles is that all Across, uh, on average, there's a distance of around 600,000 miles between the asteroids, which is more than twice the distance from the Earth to the Moon when compared to the crowded space imagined in movies. So there you go. I wonder if it's the same in Saturn rings with the rings going around. A much uh, bigger danger in the asteroid belt is the dust-sized particles. (laughs) That's what I was talking about. As you're traveling faster and faster, all those particles hitting the outside of the craft has got to eventually um, cause a problem. It's going to, like space rust, isn't it? It's going to impact and gradually break down the material layers and eventually rupture. So if you had a spaceship traveling to the nearest exoplanet, how's it even going to be possible? You'd have to keep retrofitting a shield in the front of the craft, I would thought. Because I don't think you can do it with force fields, even though they're trying to look at the idea of force fields. Uh, If you're traveling really fast, you've got to project that force field in the front of the craft which would be like electrostatic and push the rocks away. Assuming they've got water maybe in it. I don't know. Uh, carbon. I just can't see it. I think you just have to keep um, replacing the shield in the front of the craft. But how would you do that? You'd have to do it live while you're in space, wouldn't you? You'd have to climb out on the surface while you're traveling at uh, 800,000 miles per hour, as we were reading previously. Um, and replace replace sheets of metal with new sheets of metal or mesh or whatever. There's lots of things they're going to have to work out. Elon's got his um, stuff cut out for him. <laughs> uh First of all, we've got to get to Mars. Then it's going to take God knows how many thousands of years to get further from there out into 
um, the rest of the space. Now, what's the next one? The sun is yellow. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be a strange one. Sunsets like the one appear red because the light from the sun has travelled further through the atmosphere and most of the shorter wavelengths blues and violets have been scattered away. Okay, there you go. Every crayon, Weldon toddler knows the sky is blue and the sun is yellow. Even though it looks red there. <laughs> yellow and red. Even though you should never look directly at the sun, photographs reveal a yellowish hue and when you look up at the sunny day distinctive orange tinge appears as the sun dips over the horizon however the yellowish is just an illusion the sun produces all wavelengths of visible light and therefore is true color is white there you go and that's where the prism thing comes in the experiment where it splits into different wavelengths right but as the sunlight travels through the atmosphere it changes the wavelengths of light at the blue end of the spectrum are much shorter than those at the red end so collisions with particles in the air are more likely during the day blue light scatters high in atmosphere giving the sky its blue color and making the sun appear yellow there you go stars and constellations are close together oh that's another question i was going to ask a bing uh, it's logged me out again has it no. okay we uh, does alien life come from according to law <laughs> Uh, what constellations? Let's see if it knows that one. Here we go. Here we go. I wonder what it's going to find. <laughs> here we go. It sounds like we're talking to um, the black man scientist what's his name de gracio <laughs> there are no conclusive evidence of extraterrestrial life yet however many cultures have associated the star cluster Pallades with extraterrestrial life during its high visibility in the night sky and its position along the ecliptic which approximates to the solar systems uh, is there a echo? Is it echo planet? Exo planet? Exo? Echo? Exo? Is that right? Planet in the ladies. Let's see. Come on. Tell us. Tell us. Uh, only 800 stars in it. 
Yeah, but we asked about planets. Okay. Group of more than 800 stars located about 410 light years. So that's a lot further than the 4.2 that we got from the nearest one to us. Which would take 36 years traveling at an incredible speed. <laughs> uh, from Earth is a constellation Taurus. Although NASA's Kepler Space Telescope has spent the last eight years searching for Earth-like exoplanets. Oh, I spelled it wrong. Oh, there we go. That's why. <laughs> Exco. Uh, the orbit other stars, there is no conclusion evidence of a exoplanet in Pleiades. So why would aliens come from there then? Maybe because they haven't found it? Hmm. Taurus. Is it serious? We've heard about serious before. Serious. Um, B. Uh, what are we going to say? Is serious B and Pleiades? I don't think it is, uh, but let's see what it says. Because we know the stories of aliens come from there, from Africa, which you've know, debunked. Um, there you go. <laughs> At least it's answered. It's trying to give us star maps here, but looks what. Pleiades uh, is an open star cluster containing middle-aged, hot B-type stars located in constellation Taurus. Taurus B is a white dwarf located in constellation Canis Major. <laughs> so much to know, isn't it? Um, what's the constellation? That's not how you spell it. <laughs> um, is the nearest exoplanet? Try a word it differently this time. Nearest exoplanet, okay, we've had that before, Proxima Sirius Centauria B, which is located. So, I suppose it's not going to show us a map. Because remember, it doesn't show, show me... Uh, what what country okay what country can see Proxima see so he's already added the extra information on so I don't have to type it Yeah, so it looks like Australia. So that rules out these guys in America. Alpha Centurion star system, which is visible from the southern hemisphere. There we go. Therefore, countries in the southern hemisphere Australia, New Zealand, Chile, Argentina, South Africa. 
And we've heard about Australia star people. We've heard about Chile star people. And South Africa star people. So could they be coming from there? Anyway, it's just a thought. Quite interesting, I think. Even though we only got two people out of eight billion in the world interested in this stuff. <laughs> and Mike has gone away for a breakfast, I think. Oh no, coffee. Uh, just looked it up. Yeah, we just covered all that, Mike. <laughs> you should have been with us earlier. Uh, we've gone through all that scenario. That's uh, that's what he calls synchronicity, I guess. Uh, what have we got here? Uh, Tommy isn't feeling well. Sorry, I've got haters. <laughs> hey, I've got haters. <laughs> Lots of them. JP um, is pals with was polite. So sorry, this is my deletion reason <laughs> look I don't care who comes here and what um, drama you have between each other um, you just got to get on be civil you know you can agree to disagree uh, I know there's these channels that fight each other um, but my my beef is uh, when channels lie or they're deceptive or just kidding themselves right like um they call out some hoaxes and uh fakers but work with other hoaxes themselves or fakers darcy weir is one of them <laughs> so that's why i tend not to want to be friends with other channels or use other channels to promote myself all this kind of stupid business that goes on and yeah, because your reputation is a lot worth more than working with other channels and people who you can't trust. It takes a long time to build trust. Um, it's hard to find the same people that have the same drive as you uh, in search of the information that you're after, right? You know, you've not heard me call out Thank you for your super chats every five seconds <laughs> or praise the cash because uh, that's why I'm not here. This is why I'm at uh, two in the morning talking this science stuff, which I thought I would get through. But you can see um, it's going to take a lot longer. So looks like we're going to still have a few tabs to get through <laughs> hopefully i can get through some plasma stuff but yeah um must be a few hours we've done on this so far let me just check up um two and a half hours already but it's been a lot of fun i find this a lot of fun doing this sort of stuff because we're exploring Try and understand science and try and understand scientists' minds. Um, and why we need lots of people uh, in this field that can do niche things. 
you know it, not everyone can understand everything right it's just impossible uh, that's why I tend to get Robert on because he's the UFO historian I don't want to have to store all that sort of stuff in my head I've got lots of other stuff I need to keep in my head <laughs> uh, just drive you crazy uh, thinking about it all trying to wrap your head around it stars and constellations are close together well we just heard that that's not, not going to be the case because there's great distances right space is huge so, so huge we can't imagine all those zeros that we were seeing before the stars in the night sky are arranged into 88 constellations is that all i thought there's a lot more than that that represents that re-represent among other things 29 inanimate objects 19 land animals 9 birds and a dragon how about the great dipper <laughs> that's not an animal and the recognized groups have guided farmers and travelers i suppose the big dipper is part of a beaver tail or something is it so i don't follow all this stuff either really but we'll be staring at the sky with my sky watching set up, I guess. And we should really, we'll see some constellations on the star map that I'll bring up probably and see if we can spot it. It might be a bit easier now. We haven't got the fisheye lens warping the, the stars together because uh, it was a bit tricky before. But I don't know. We, we can see um, probably more stars on the camera than we can with our own eyes as well which can cause a bit of confusion trying to match it up with constellations right despite appearing close together the stars that form the constellations are often separated by light years <laughs> by tons or hundreds of light years there you go hundreds of light years actually yeah hmm. really big okay we can just move on from that one the moon has a dark side. Well, we know that's not true because it's actually spinning in synchronization. The dark side of the moon has inspired studio albums, novels, and television series, films, and video games. So, if you built, a, say, on the dark side of the moon, the back side of the moon, a base, it's going to get sun just like it would be on Earth, right? It's going to. But we're not going to see it because it's spinning at the same speed as earth so as as it starts illuminating the the moon it's that base has already gone into the dark side of the moon so we're not going to see it unless you put a, a satellite in orbit around it and beam it down via a web stream <laughs> Um, what do we got here? For photographic evidence, you only have to look at the first ever f images of the first side of the moon captured in 1959. Because uh, all the alien conspiracies and buildings on the Mar guys think it's been airbrushed off. Okay, what's the next one? The Great War of China can be seen from space. So what do you reckon on that one? Hmm. It's long. Unless they stick lots of lights on it, they might stick LED lights all along it. I guess uh, very super bright lights. Um, 
I can see that maybe this one is going to be false. <laughs> so let's see. The Great Wall of China is the longest human-made structure in the world and spans incredibly 13,000 miles. I'll just round it down. And the idea that it might be visible from outer space is a popular one and has been around since the 1930s, but unfortunately it is, it is only partly true. The Great Wall might be very long, but of course it's not remotely as wide here. Uh, just over 20 feet, is that all? 6 metres at its base. Uh, not only that, it's constructed from materials that blend well with the surrounding terrain. And low orbit, low Earth orbit, uh, which starts at 99 miles altitude the wall is easily to pick out on a radar images but it's invisible to the naked eye low orbit you can't see it yeah when you think about it i don't think we did see it on nasa images right during the time on the international space station in march 2013 commander chris Hadfield tweeted, I did not see the Great Wall of China from space, and neither did the Chinese astronauts. With a big camera, lens, and clear air, maybe. Hmm, okay. Earth's shadow causes the lunar phases. Well, we know that's not true, right? because we know that's illuminated by the sun so that means the other side has to be dark right so it's got to be the, the the orientation to the sun and solar eclipses is is um is when the moon uh, the, the the earth gets in between the sun and the moon that's the only time so let's see how it goes here Uh, what do they call it? Waxing. <laughs> waxing on and waxing off. Uh, waxing crescent. Uh, yeah, I suppose we, that's another question. Uh, we've been terminated again. Uh, why is the name called waxing. It's not the kind of wax we're thinking of again. <laughs> what a stupid question. <laughs> the moon is called waxing when it's increasing in illumination from the new moon up to the full moon. <laughs> The opposite phase is the waxing moon, which occurs after the full moon and until waxing and warn, warning. Was it warning? Waning? Uh, waning. Waxing and waning phases are also known as the moon grow and decrease phases. Yeah. But what is the meaning of waxing, though? <laughs> Let's see what comes up with that one. 
come up with something then. Next sentence is the. There we go. <laughs> I don't think this is related to the moon. Rexon is a process of hair removal <laughs> from the root. <laughs> you see how stupid English is, so I'm not meant to be able to understand it. <laughs> it's also used to describe the process of coating and treating and polish. Yeah, <laughs> they're the wax I know. And uh, I'll just say you forgot also <laughs> moon phases. See what it says to that. Why is that not included? I apologize. <laughs> The waxing and waning phases of the moon refer to the moon's growing. Have you really just been through that? Waxing phase is when, yeah, we've just been through all that. But why wasn't in that description? So you can see how the AI is not really that, it's not really thinking. It's just um, splicing things together. But yeah, it's a good test, isn't it? They'll probably be learning from me. <laughs> There's that damn Kiwi again. He's trying to break our AI system with silly questions. <laughs> oh, what's happening there? Why does it suddenly put it there? All oh, right, must open up the window. Is it? God, I've only been through a couple of tabs. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, what we're meant to be looking at, uh, they are actually the result of the sun rising and setting over the visible side of the moon, which is what I said. During the full moon, our satellite is on the opposite side of Earth to the sun. We see the sunlight illumination. Okay, next one. Light isn't affected by gravity. Yeah, this is another thing that sort of kicks me in the guts science-wise saying that um, the, the light is an energy packet and it's not actually a particle and has no mass right and this is what where all that sort of space-time and uh, Einstein uh, stuff comes from <laughs> uh, so what is it going to say here gravity is an attractive force between two objects so if light is actually a particle with a wee bit of mass then the earth's mass should uh, technically draw in the light shouldn't it but it um they're saying it doesn't so there's another thing that seems to be in conflict in my head Two objects with mass and light and is transmitted by photons which have no mass either. I just don't believe that. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, so light can't possibly be affected by gravity. I think our science is going to be shaken up at some stage. But it is. But if this is true, how is the black holes can prevent light from escaping? Yeah, here's Einstein again, is it? Yeah. The laws of gravity we know 
of the work of Isaac Newton who said that gravity is a pulling force that works when both objects involved have mass. However, Einstein overhauled this theory by suggesting it was the result of shape or fabric of the universe. In other words, the space is bent. Yeah, I, I just don't believe it. <laughs> I, just, I just don't believe it. I think there's going to be some big changes coming up at some stage. We won't be alive to see it properly. I think once we get into space, um, everything might change when they get and explore things more. But like I said, it's going to take a long time. Probably even millions and billions of years, who knows. Imagine placing a heavy ball on a sheet of rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hasn't got a picture of it. Puts a little dimple in and the, dip, the water runs down the dimple, like, you know. <laughs> That's just the concept. The Mercury is the hottest planet in the solar system. Well, it's the closest to the sun, you'd think. <laughs> The sun belts out. Sun belts. I think it, it's just a bad word. I think sun belts out an incredible 3.8 times 10, uh, 1,000 joules of energy every second. Is that all? <laughs> and Mercury is right in the firing line, orbiting at an average distance of 36 million miles. Is that all? A mere drop in the ocean, although they're almost three times closer than the Earth's solar orbit. During the day, temperatures soar to around 800 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So surely it must be the hottest planet in the solar system. Not quite. Venus, which orbits nearly twice as far from the Sun, has an average temperature of... 864 degrees Fahrenheit, hot enough to melt lead. Okay, so what was the difference in temperatures? I uh, didn't say what the temperature of Mercury was. Uh, here we go. Four hundred Celsius, eight hundred degrees Fahrenheit. And that's uh, sixty-four degrees more. Okay. The difference is down to the atmosphere, of course. <laughs> On Venus the atmosphere is thick and Composed mainly of carbon dioxide trapping the heat in an insulating bubble. Well, Mercury has a very thin atmosphere. When it turns from the sun at night, the temperature plummets to negative 292 degrees Fahrenheit. Yikes! So, if is nicer than that, right? Saturn is the only ring planet in the solar system well we know that's not true don't we uh wasn't it uranus or something 
It had rings. Let's find out. I can't remember now. Uh, when most people think of planets with rings, there is only one that springs to mind. Saturn, the gas giant, is well known for seven main rings. Okay, and uh, but they aren't the only ones in the solar system. Jupiter, Uranus, and Neptune all boast their own set of rings. Okay, I didn't realize uh, Jupiter had one, but I'm trying to think of the James Webb pictures that we got back. I think it did have the Neptune. Okay, here we go. Reentry spacecraft heat up because of air friction. Okay, here we go. Uh, when returning spacecraft re-enter the atmosphere, they are traveling faster than the speed of sound. And the temperatures rise <coughs> rapidly. Mm, I've got to have a drink here. Uh, rapidly from around negative 250 degrees Fahrenheit to nearly 3000 degrees Fahrenheit. Could friction be responsible for all that heat? Hmm. Good question, isn't it? Friction in spacecraft is a major problem for engineers, particularly when designing streamlined supersonic rockets. The more air that is in contact with the surface, the more frictional heat occurs. However, vehicles designed for descent are not streamlined and friction is not the main reason for the incredible molten temperatures. As a wide, blunt spacecraft plummets through the atmosphere, molecules of gas cannot move out of the way fast enough and they start to stack up forming a cushion beneath the craft this keeps most of the gas away from the surface oh. preventing heat from transferring to the vehicle frictional heating contributes to the temperature rise but the pressure achieves the real heating pressure achieves the real heating the closer the compression molecules come to one another uh, the higher the temperature climbs eventually the pressure becomes so intense the molecules start to tear apart creating a layer of charged plasma and producing a sheeran plasma corona and there you go did you know that it's not uh, the friction of the air it's uh the pressure wave, is it? The pressure wave is what they're saying there. Cushion. And it causes plasma to be formed. Hmm. Creating a layer of charged plasma. So if UFOs were coming into the atmosphere at uh, hypersonic speeds, uh, surely that's going to have to create something similar, like a plasma charge field around it. Uh, the pressure would keep the air molecules away, but you'd still form plasma in the same way, right? 
Hmm. More thinking needed there. And that could be something to do with why we don't hear the sonic boom boom noise as well. But how does that work when it goes into this water? More questions than answers, right? Stars twinkle. <laughs> the famous nursery rhyme. But all those stars appear to twinkle in the sky. The flickering is just an illusion. We know this. Atmospherics, right? It might seem plausible that the star would twinkle as it shines, but at this distance, the light that we see from them is actually very steady. The light travels towards Earth. It passes through the gas molecules that make up our atmosphere. Uh, these are not static and they swirl as turbulence stirs the atmosphere. This deflects some of the light, making it look like the light is shifting and twinkling. more atmosphere that light has to pass through, the more likely these shifts are to occur. So we, we talked about... Um, light interference patterns you know how it forms the ring shape when it's out of focus and um, that can also the atmosphere can do that it can create the ring patterns it doesn't actually just happen to happen in a glass lens camera and of course you've got ice crystals making stars near the horizon appear to twinkle more yeah, that's a good picture isn't it comet tails indicate which way the hidden <laughs> well you logically would think so but no it's uh which way the sun is hitting them isn't it so that could be going this this one looks like it's actually going this way because <laughs> it's got some bending going on so the sun's below the horizon it's lighting up that way but yeah let's see what it says comic so essentially lumps of dirty ice and they approach the sun, they heat up, releasing gas and dust. On Earth, we would expect the resultant tail to point backwards like a streak of a fallen meter. But in space, there is no air. Comets are shaped and blown by radiation pressure and solar winds. Uh, which I'm probably not going to get time to get to by that uh, tabs here. So they always point away from the sun. High energy ultraviolet light crashes into the wrapping gases of the comet, stripping away electrons and forming charged ions. Uh, these get caught up in magnetic field lines and shoot directly away from the sun in a blue iron tail. At the same time, the dust is released into space, forming a tail of particles as a fine smoke. Photons of light from the sun create an intense bubble of pressure which pushes against the dust guiding into the wild streak that curves around the path of the comet's speedy orbit okay meteorites are not hot <laughs> okay as meteorites pass through the atmosphere they heat up so rapidly that the surface rock begins to melt However, it is a bit like uh, shearing a stake. 
Although the outside becomes increasingly hot, the inside remains cool. The melted rock forms a crust just 0 0.01 in one millimeter thick. Ah, oh, inch, I mean, <laughs> 0.04 inch, which is one millimeter thick. And by the time the meteorite hits the earth, it's likely to be only slightly warm to the human touch. There we go. You can hear sounds in space. <laughs> Okay, how can you hear if you've got no ear? The sound of an exploding vehicle on Earth is transmitted by a pressure wave which travels through fluids like air and water when vibrating particles bump into one another and pass some of the energy on. In space, the particles are so far apart that sound waves cannot propagate. So although the source of an explosion would vibrate the monocle's movements have nowhere to go outside of Earth, only on planets with atmospheres would we hear sound. Yeah. Well, I thought that was common sense though. Uh, you can hear sound in space. Who said you can't hear? What's that mean, though? Um, does someone say you can hear sounds in space? I don't understand this one. It travels through fluids, yeah. Space particles. So far apart that sound waves cannot propagate, yeah. So you can't hear sounds. Outside of Earth, only on planets with atmosphere would we hear sound. I don't understand that one. <laughs> Do people really think you can hear in space? You can only hear astronauts talk because they're inside a capsule with air. And uh, they got some sort of um, sensor that turned magnetic fluctuations back into sound. And you've heard those strange space um, sounds that we played a couple, few lives back now. Sounds in space, which was um, some sort of experiment. But it was artificially produced, right? Because of um, they were converting the data into sound, which is not quite the same thing. Uh, space is an empty vacuum. Well, we know that's not true. Uh, outer space is the closest place to true vacuum in the universe and is far emptier of any particles than anything we can produce on Earth. However, there is so much hydrogen in the universe that a few atoms can still be found in every cubic meter of space. Here we go. What's the next one? There is no gravity in space. <laughs> uh, actually, craft like the International Space Station is constantly under the influence of Earth's gravity. Yeah, we know this. This is what keeps them in orbit, and the weightlessness that the astronauts experience is because they are falling gradually towards Earth. 
Gravity compels the International Space Station towards the ground, but the station is moving so quickly that it shoots over the horizon, falling around the circumference of the planet instead of coming back down to Earth. Essentially, the astronauts inside are in a constant freefall. So the gravity's pulling the ship down, but the ship's moving so fast that it's uh, skim, skimming. Is it? Is, is that the word to use? Skims back into orbit. Yeah, um, you'd have to apply some science to that one a bit more, I think. Isn't it uh, angular momentum? And yet it's always accelerating, as it's pulling down by the gravity. It's actually really accelerating, which then causes it to... Uh, bend back out. So it's constantly falling and adjusting again. So yeah, again, you can see how hard it is to wrap all this around your brain. Now, it's not really well explained there. Maybe she didn't know how to explain it. Uh, let's see what uh, Edge would say. Go on, chatbot. Where are you going? How does um, satellites stay in orbit? Let's see where it comes up. Um, some of this would be really hard just to put it into words, I think. Um, they'll probably have to draw diagrams. I think the, the bot, this AI bot, will have to expand. The satellite stays in orbit by balancing two factors, its velocity and the gravitational pull of the Earth. When the rocket reaches its uh, location above the Earth, it releases the satellite it picks up on the rocket's energy to stay in motion. Once the speed of the satellite balances with the Earth's gravity, the satellite remains in place. See, it's orbiting the Earth. The satellite stays in orbit as long as it keeps its speed to stay balanced by the, the headwinds. <laughs> what headwinds? <laughs> See, uh, I don't really find that a, satisf a satisfactory reply, really. <laughs> it's got to be free-falling and bouncing. Because the free-fall causes more... Keeps the speed constant. Or accelerates and goes back into... Keeps it in that orbit plane. It's got to be a better way to explain that. Science, man, science, I tell you. 
And here we're trying to understand aliens. <laughs> when we've got to understand all this other stuff first, right? Um, where's that one? Hey, it says we've got zero watching. Is it time for me to wrap up? Is it? Uh, I don't think many people would like the science one. Three hours. Uh, you're still here? Uh, right, it's now gone up to one. I think it depends how active people are. It detects where you're there at the computer. I reckon it detects your mouse. And if you've got the window minimized and you're just listening in the background, I think it removes, uh, see it's gone again. Somehow it detects, um, yeah, YouTube detects uh, user activity to make sure uh, how many are actually watching. It's a bit like when you listen to music and you minimize it and it has that pop-up. Uh, there is no gravity in space. Actually, craft like the International Space Station is constantly under. Is that one we just read? Constantly under influence of this gravity. That's what keeps them. I think we just read that one. Uh, what's the next one? We would explode in space without a spacesuit. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Outland sci-fi with Sean Connery, uh, the space cowboy. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're still here. Good luck. Good one. <laughs> I got one fan. Yay! Um, I have to grift. I have to start a grifting channel and see. <laughs> Pretend to be someone else. Uh, I wonder if you can do it. Do a grifting channel. And then I can debunk the Grifton channel. <laughs> I probably could do uh, really good uh, fake UFOs and stuff on that channel and get millions of viewers. <laughs> Have the money pouring into the bank account. I just couldn't do it, though. I'd like to do it, but uh, I just couldn't do it. It goes against my moral ground. I could do a Gufonian. <laughs> claim that third phase is legit and they've changed their ways <laughs> no i'm still definitely active on the computer and have it up on screen well you got a dual uh, monitor have you got that that way you can do stuff while the other one's showing it i have it up on screen maybe if nobody types i don't know it's really strange. I think I think they just got it in for me then. <laughs> Zero watching all the time. <laughs> so what would happen? I think we'd freeze and we'd smash into ice particles. Uh, let's see. The fluid would first boil instantly and then freeze, right? Uh, so yeah, let's see. I know it's been on sci-fi movies. Our bodies uh, adapt to exist under the pressure of Earth's atmosphere and when this is removed water in the tissue starts to evaporate and the body starts to swell. Human skin is stretchy enough that this does not lead to an explosion <laughs> but after 
around 10 seconds of exposure people become unconscious this happened to an unfortunate spacesuit technician during a nasa test in 1966 after some equipment failed i didn't know about that but uh thankfully the pressure was restored just 30 seconds and the technician recovered okay but that doesn't really understand if you threw someone out in space what would happen to him uh, we'd have to ball I would have thought and then actually let's just ask the AI <laughs> here we go if a human was uh, ejected into the coldness of space what would happen okay we'll just try that here we go thinking and i might have to do these sessions more often eh science chat gpt <laughs> and uh, we had more people on everybody could be chipping in what to ask it uh, i can't quite read it if the human was ejected into the coldest of space without any protection they would lose consciousness which we just read uh, after about two minutes due to asphyxiation or lack of oxygen in the bloodstream the person would probably remain conscious for several seconds until the blood without oxygen reach, reaches the brain the body would start to swell due to the loss of atmospheric pressure and freeze uh, the exposure to high levels of radiation would also be a concern uh, so would they be brittle how do you spell that word <laughs> british is put there brittle brittle is that how you spell it and easy smash or break I suppose let's see oh that's not how you spell brittle is it <laughs> let's see did, it, did I crash the system <laughs> I'm sorry I prefer not to continue <laughs> that's weird isn't it I'm not going to talk about death what's wrong with that I'm still learning so I appreciate you understanding I've broken it I've been ejected I've been rejected from the system they probably think I'm plotting a murder I'm gonna take uh, goof on up to space and eject him into space <laughs> that is funny response isn't it <laughs> I'm going to be banned. I have my account deleted probably by Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, it's not going to let me do. I have to do a new topic now. <laughs> new topic. <laughs> Pool's broken it. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, the, uh, I'm not sure what to ask it now. I was going to do something though. I think I might be getting too tired. I was going to do a new topic, but 
Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Oh, we got to the end of that tab, so we finished with that one at least. <laughs> I asked a banned question, and I'll be demonetized on Google too, probably. Uh, close tab. Uh, so on to the next tab. Yeah, you think this stuff is easy? It's not. And where's it disappeared to? <laughs> is it this filter again causing trouble? Uh, let's see. Whitelist it. Uh huh, there's a video there. Okay, what's it say? Nikola clocks why an experimental experiment at CERN brings them closer to reality. Now, this is a problem with atomic clocks, they all lose time. Even though it's really accurate, it's not um, perfect. And they keep saying that uh, the influences of magnetic earth's magnetic field and probably unknown factors like uh, dark matter particles going through the orbits there's no concern whatsoever and the atomic clocks are just as good in satellites but they're not because we know they have to keep recalibrating it to earth atomic clock on the surface with the space ones uh, that's a good question. We can ask the bot that one, but I might be banned. Uh, how many times do they synchronize? Uh, atomic clock. Um, let's say GPS to Earth atomic clock. Let's see if it knows that one. That's about synchronized wrong, I know. Let's see if it can figure it out. How many times do they synchronize? So you know how, how it repeats the question and we've got a typo, which is kind of good. There we go. Each GPS satellite contains multiple atomic clocks. So that just proves to you they don't trust one. So they've got to have multiple in there. Probably three, is it? <laughs> that contribute very precise time data to GPS signal. GPS receivers decode these signals efficiently, synchronizing each receiver to the atomic clocks. However, even atomic clocks on GPS satellites must be set updates two times per day. There you go to create the clocks natural drift <laughs> natural <laughs> those updates come from more stable atomic clocks on the ground often the size of a refrigerator and not designed to survive physical demands of going into space so there you go so this is again more me answering and disputing stuff that they're claiming proves Einstein correct that satellites are losing time because of bent space time. Um, I think there's a lot of factors uh, that they seem to ignore because they think they can shield. I think there's like three layers of shielding around these atomic clocks so they can't be affected by magnetic fields, but it's not perfect. And I think just even a little bit is enough to break through the shields and affect uh, the oscillations of the atoms. 
So it doesn't really prove Einstein's correct by the satellite time drift, but it could be other factors that they're totally ignoring. Uh, that's just my my take on it. I'm no scientist, so to speak. Like I said, you can't you, you need millions of scientists, and each of them have got to have a niche in a certain area. Uh, there's no way you can possibly know it all, right? So, but it's uh, we can sort of be like jack of all trades, I guess, and understand enough of a bit of each, and know the problems, right? So, what's CERN up to? Uh, building a clock based on a nuclear transition transition has long been a goal of meteorologists as well as offering the potential of greater accuracy than atomic clocks such as a timekeeper could be more immune to external there you go, <laughs> noise as they call it and could be used to probe new physics beyond the standard model so what they mean by nuclear transition there. However, the challenges have been many and until recently researchers had not even managed to make a direct observation of the radiation associated with a potential nuclear clock transition. Uh, I wonder if we can... Is it, are they going to explain it? Probably not. No. <laughs> We need diagrams. We need to know what they're talking about here. So we could ask the bot, I guess. Let's see if it knows. Nuclear clock transition. Well, maybe just nuclear transition. What is meant by? Why is it not typing in? Have I been banned again? <laughs> what is meant by... There we go. They're going to start charging me. Well, that's another thing. I uh, hope it doesn't charge us to use Bing. I hope it's free. <laughs> It'll probably come up and say you've exceeded your limit for one day or something, probably. Let's go up. A nuclear clock or nuclear optical clock is a notional, notional clock that would use the frequency of a nuclear transition as its reference frequency in the same manner as atomic clock uses the frequency of a electronic transition in an atomic shell. <laughs> yeah, so sort of gobbledygook, isn't it? Uh, nuclear transient reference frequency, same manner as atomic clock uses frequency of electronic transition in atomic shell, unlike current atomic clocks which make use of oscillations in the outer electron shells, okay. Nuclear clocks employed oscillations within the nucleus as the timekeeper. In both cases, the oscillations are the product of transitions between defined energy levels which can be excited by laser light. Okay, so did we get that? <laughs> so one's in the outer electron shells and the other one is within the nucleus of the atom. 
Uh, oscillations of what though? The laser light. Obviously, we know photons emit electrons. So the laser goes light goes in there. The specific wavelength causes electron to jump shells emit from from the atom. See, uh, again, it's not terribly clear, is it? We need a diagram. Um, let's just try that. The diagram is easiest. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> let's uh, bring it up. So we got the laser, 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 feedback loop, and there's the atom, and then receiver. Yeah, I still don't understand that. Uh, time, time, time. Okay, what have we got here? X-ray, decay, electron. Okay, I'm sort of still not understanding how they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's quite simple, really. Um, That's probably why no one talks about this stuff on my streams. <laughs> um, this is where you need Kirk DeMungle, or whatever his name is, theory of everything. He can come along. He's meant to be a physicist. He's meant to be able to explain all this. Uh, so much to understand, isn't it? Oh, look at this thing here. Optical latency clock. I give up. <laughs> okay, we've got something here. Cesium. Cesium is what's using atomic clocks, isn't it? Um, so that looks like shell levels there. Yeah, I don't know. Something about electron levels, levels there. Yeah, give up. <laughs> it's too late in the night now. I'm going to probably have to wrap up in a minute. So much for getting through all these. <laughs> Paul talks too much. And the change earlier this year when a team of switches working at Isolide Experiment at CERN made the first direction observation of Vacuum ultraviolet light from a transition in thorium 229. This episode of the Physics World Weekly podcast features team member Sandro Kramer of the Institute for Nuclear and Radiation Physics at Belgium Catholic University. Uh, what's religion got to do with it? 
<laughs> he explains why physicists are keen on building a nuclear crop, why it's been so difficult and what the ice satellite measurement means for the future of timekeeping. Yeah. So there you go. So they want to build a better atomic clock is basically all we got from that. <laughs> um, I'll post a link to the side. Um, maybe some, maybe you'd be interested in more research on that. New atomic clocks. Let's go on to the next one. Uh, how long are we going for? Feels like ages now. Let's get into that th uh, witching hour for me. Um, what am I doing? <laughs> I'll just keep that one open. I'm meant to be looking on the other screen. <laughs> um, what are we coming up to? Three hours, 16 minutes. Okay. It's not too bad. Okay, CERN spots Higgs boson decay breaking the rules. So here again, this is where um, science is always at conflicting with itself. And they just don't understand what's going on. We're such babies in science, really are. So much for the standard model of physics. <laughs> Particle physics. Evidence discovered at CERN of a rare form of Higgs boson decay. Maybe just what scientists need to prove the existence of particles beyond those predicted by the standard model. It sounds like it's going to create more complex stuff, if anything. Uh, speaking at Large Hadron Collider Physics Conference last week, researchers working on a what's that pair of CERN experiments, Atlas and CMS, said their combined data sets offer the first evidence of a Higgs boson decaying into a said boson, <laughs> a zombie boson. <laughs> Ah, uh, scientists are just funny people. An ex electrically neutral carrier of the weak force and a photon. I, s I swear, uh, scientists don't have a clue what's going on. But yeah, I suppose it's a nice fun job though, if you're into that sort of stuff. Uh, saves digging roads, I suppose. Higgs boson decay in various ways. They can split into a pair of leptons. <laughs> Not lepton T. Uh, electron and positron, for example. Or a pair of electrons, heavier cousin muons. <laughs> it's all possible for a Higgs boson to decay into two photons, but... Here's where things start to get tricky and weird. The Higgs boson doesn't get there directly. Instead of going from Higgs 
directly to photons the decay process for a intimate loop of virtual particles virtual particles make believe particles see they come <laughs> that uh, pop in and out of existence <laughs> yeah that sounds like goofon's brain cells uh, and uh, cannot be directly detected uh, these virtual particles could include new as yet undiscovered particles that interact with Higgs boson soon said that's what I keep saying that all particles are just all the dense energy <laughs> and you break a particle into other particles <laughs> which is just more different energy patterns uh, Sounds like they keep making up new particles, doesn't it? Now, wasn't the boson the one that sort of causes a force between atom layers, like your finger on a surface of a table, right? Wasn't that really what it was all about? Um, yeah, the chat one's gonna go. Uh, what does the Higgs boson yeah how does that fit in the atom though is it like on the surface of the nucleus or another orbit Higgs boson orbit atom <laughs> Let's see what it says to that. Uh, I should have said not does. Uh, let's see if it can figure it out. Let's see what it said. The Higgs boson is an elementary particle in the standard model of particle physics produced by the quantum excitation of Higgs field one of the fields in the particle physics theory it does not orbit an atom so what does it do then <laughs> where is the I'm gonna get banned again Higgs boson in an atom <laughs> so it's not part of anything it just floats in space does it the Higgs boson is not part of an atom as an elementary particle in a standard model a particle physics blah 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 quantum blah one of the fields in particle physics theory so it's just a bunch of bullshit then is that what they're trying to say here there's a particle that has no let's see was the Higgs boson meant to explain force between atoms. 
I don't know how you explain it. No, that's not going to be able to answer it, I don't think. The Higgs boson is responsible for the mass of objects that's not meant to explain the force between atoms. Bosons are the force carrying or force meditating particles. It sounds like all gobbledygook, doesn't it? If a pheromon such as a quark or lepton produces a boson which is then taken in by another pheromon then the force exists between the two fermions. I don't understand it all. Do you, Michael King, do you understand the, the boson nonsense? Responsible for the mass of objects. So if that's the case, uh, when you talk about mass reduction of UFOs, then if you've got a charged skin, somehow it's going to affect the Higgs boson, <laughs> which is not part of the atom. But where is it then? Is it in free space? You see what I mean? Um, it doesn't really make any sense to me. <laughs> not really, mate. Not never looked into it. But yeah, this is why I'm looking into it, because we're seeing how it sort of connects into the alien UFO side of things. And uh, UFOs, of course, UFO technology. So what can we ask it to get maybe a better understanding? It's massive objects. is not meant to explain the force between because bosons are the force carrying or the force meditating particles sounds like gibbery duke 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 hazards <laughs> um, so it's like a little particle wave that goes between the other particles of the atom is that what we're saying so I don't know if I still got it open have I? Is it saying it's something like that? Yeah, I think it's too early in the morning for my brain to wrap around this. So um so we're talking about maybe a proton, neutron? And there's a, I don't know if you do a squiggly line or not. The Higgs boson produces field between particles, which makes the mass. Or is it part of the strong forces that hold it together? Uh, I think something's not right with the whole science of all this. Uh, all this quantum stuff, right? 
Yeah, I'm not sure what can last AI. So we got to the end of that one. So we'll just post it down the side. Higgs did K. Close that one down. Got a few again. According to Einstein's theory, why is time a dimension of the three plus one space-time structure? Oh dear. Okay, I might have to skip that one. <laughs> uh, atomic clocks. Okay, that should have been part of the last one. Atomic clocks and solid walls. Uh, new tools in the search for dark matter. Okay, so this should have been included in the other one, but I think uh, this color thing is screwing up that page. Uh, yep, now we can see the picture. You think all that there, all those atoms used to do these experiments would affect the experiment itself, right? Search, uh, as searches come up empty, some are thinking of new ways to look for dark matter. Because <laughs> they want to keep proving their Big Bang Theory, right? I would love to be interested to in know what Tesla would have come up with if he could live up to now. Countless experiments around the world are hoping to reap scientific glory for the first detection of dark matter. <laughs> Tell us about it. Usually they do this by watching for dark matter to bump into normal matter, <laughs> which probably doesn't happen. It passes through it, right? So they're making assumptions, right? I think it's all wrong. Science is toast, <laughs> same as ufology is toast. Uh, or by slamming particles into other particles and hoping for some dark stuff to pop out. <laughs> a load of poop, there's a load of poop popping out. This is intriguing possibility championed by Ismina Etobastaki. What kind of name's that? <laughs> a theoretical physicist. Yeah, it always has to be theoretical. <laughs> That's why no one understands it. So he's in uh, Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, where she holds, oh, it's a woman. A chair in theoretical physics. Sounds like a good chair to ha have because he could spout out any crap and uh, get paid. <laughs> The first woman to hold a research chair. Detecting these hyperthetical dark matter waves. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like something that Bob Lazar would like to um, use in his uh, bullshit. Requires a bit of experimental ingenious and, and uh, resonating bars. I missed something here. Ingenuity. So she and her collaborators are adapting. Here we go. A broad range of radically different techniques to search 
atomic clocks and resonating bars originally designed to hunt for gravity waves oh no yeah I don't think gravity waves uh, exist and even lasers shined at walls in hopes that a bit of dark matter might steep through the other side nah you're not going to detect it ever if it exists it's in another dimension <laughs> it's in the ether according to tesla uh, progress in particle physics for the last 50 years has been focused on colliders yeah yeah the end of the wimp <laughs> Uh, well, most dark matter physicists have focused on hunting for weaker interacting massive particles or WIMPs. Everati <laughs> uh, is one of the growing number who are focusing on less known alternatives such as axons, hypothetical ultralight particles there are more particles <laughs> with masses that could be as little as ten thousand trillion trillion times smaller than the mass of the electron <laughs> uh, the masses of wimps by contrast would be larger than the mass of the proton cosmology gives us very good reason to be excited about wimps <laughs> and focus initially searches in their mass range according to david kaplan uh hoxton university producer of the 2013 documentary particle fever haven't seen it <laughs> that looks like a plug doesn't it buy my documentary so i can make some money uh has also been due and part of excitement over idea of supersymmetry we've heard that one before the model requires every known particle in the standard model whether fermion again mentioned or boson <laughs> boson boson what a stupid name it really is isn't it hey you a bozo <laughs> uh, you have a super partner that is heavier and opposite class of electron which is a fermion which has a boson super partner called a selectron uh it sounds like sci-fi doesn't it <laughs> so this goes on a bit particles of waves yeah blah 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 i've talked about that before where particles could be moving through space and spinning and creating a electromagnetic wave from it but yeah they don't talk about that sort of stuff because that's pseudoscience <laughs> walls clocks and bars on one of your experiments relies on atomic clocks yay now we get into the article the most accurate timekeeping device we have but it's not accurate enough in which the natural frequency Oscillations of atoms serve the same purpose as a pendulum and a grandfather clock. An average uh, wristwatch loses roughly one second every year. Atomic clocks are so precise they 
that they best would only lose one second every age of the universe, but still they've got to fix, synchronize it two times a day in space. <laughs> uh, within the spherical framework, dark matter particles, including axions, would behave like waves and oscillate at specific frequencies determined by the mass of the particles. Dark matter waves would cause the atoms an atomic clock to oscillate as well. That's what I was saying before. You know, it could be dark matter that's passing through and causing uh, the oscillation change. And this sounds like they're saying the same thing, isn't it? Well, if they can detect that, that didn't prove what I was thinking correct. <laughs> that uh, space time's a load of gobblers and. Uh, Einstein's wrong, and uh, it's actually dark matter that's uh, causing the satellites to lose time, not bent space. And uh, gravitational lenses can be explained by plasma fields around galaxies and stars, and not uh, Einstein's thing. Could all four bits, right? Could four bits if they detect that. That's but we're sure of how to detect that, I don't know. Then there are so-called Weber bars. <laughs> I like muesli bars myself, which are solid aluminium cylinders. Uh, bars get their name from physicist Joseph Weber, who used them in the 1960s to search for gravitational waves. <laughs> He claimed to have detected those ways, but nobody could replicate his findings. <laughs> and his scientific reputation never quite recovered. They called him a pseudoscientist, I guess. Uh, so you can see science is um, messy, messy, messy. And there's all sorts of these um, haters, like in ufology. So, who knows? Uh, maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. Who knows, really? Walking through walls. Okay, we know aliens are meant to be doing that. So why are they talking? Okay, maybe they've mastered uh, dark matter then in that case, right? Um... I think if you look at atoms all being dense energy, you should be able to walk through a wall. If you can somehow um, change the energy in the atoms in a way that other energy can pass through. Because the gaps between the atoms is large, right? So atoms in normal mass versus... Uh, some sort of beam on a roof of a house turns it into some sort of like jelly substance that you just pass through. And maybe they do that with dark matter. Dark matter, a light beam. And why would it be white though? 
not duck. <laughs> so many questions and answers. Uh, yet an uh, in inventive approach involves sending axions through walls. Photons, light can't pass through walls. Exactly, so it has to be another particle. Shine a flashlight onto a wall and someone on the other side won't be able to see the light. But axions are so weakly interacting that they can pass through a solid wall. Uh... This almost sounds like uh, teleportation too, doesn't it? The experiment exploits the fact that it should be possible to turn photons into axions and then reverse the process to restore the photon. That's not too far-fetched with the alien stuff there, is it? It's quite interesting. But if you can turn photons into axions, can you turn the other particles of the atoms also into something similar where normal atoms can just pass through? Uh, we need to talk to some alien greys, but they need to visit us in the daytime and take us aboard their ship for education. <laughs> Uh, there's a new kind of dark matter detection reliant on small lab-based experiments. I think this is the future of dark matter detection. I wonder how many millions of dollars that's going to cost. Anyway, atomic clocks and solid walls. So, yeah, I thought... Um, this was quite an interesting one I found when I was searching on atomic clocks, so I thought it could be easily related. Maybe she's actually going to find out maybe what the aliens could be using. Walk through solid walls. Uh, our science is a mess really though. going to take a long time to get to grips of the universe. Ah, the Big Bang didn't happen. Run to the Big Bang stuff. <laughs> Have I got the energy to go over it? And then you got the other side of the coin here. <laughs> the fat chicken site that deny it. And then we got plasma. Plasma sheets formed by spacecraft affect nearby electron and iron trajectories. You know, we're talking about, you know, we've seen all these things on camera that move at right angles and stuff. This is why I keep looking into plasma and uh, electromagnetic waves and uh, electrical charge. And that's why we can explain some of the crazy stuff that happens in space uh, but yeah I'm not sure if I've got the energy to go through all that now because I think we have to do a part two on this one Big Bang Plasma ghostly mirrors for high-powered lasers 
There's a few things here, and then we got um, solar winds. Uh, what was I going to talk about there? Oh, yeah, I was trying to find out whether solar winds could also move particles in space, and it seems it's possible. But I think I'm going to have to cover that another day. I don't think anyone's going to watch this or understand it. But hopefully it inspires people to think outside the box. Uh, what was that one? So I've done the, the, all these over the last couple of months, never had time to go through it, but I forgot where my thinking was. Uh, right, so the amount of high energy subatomic particles and cosmic rays that would penetrate international spatial hole. Alright, okay, so where was the top of it? Alright, how the astronauts in space protected from solar flares. So that's another good one. So what we got here, new spaceship antenna prevents radio silence. So that's another interesting one. Because um, we just read about space, um, space ships as they come down, like the space shuttle have a plasma field around and radio signals can't get through, right? Researchers argue black holes will destroy all quantum states. Uh, here's another thing that's going to cause problems in science. But I think we need another couple of hours and all those. Doesn't look much, I'm, I know, but... And then we got the Faraday cages, still aided on last time. Which is quite interesting, and uh, yeah, I think we're gonna need another three-hour, four-hour show on those ones. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna wrap up now. It's uh, going up to three thirty, and I'm starting to hurt a wee bit. I uh, hope I would, I would hope more people would join us. On, I haven't even seen Shogun unless he slipped on and slipped off again. I haven't checked. All the side comment, com, uh, comments, but maybe he wouldn't be into this stuff. I don't know, but no doubt he'll watch it and make a comment. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the jet chat thing was quite fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's dropped out again, has it? Or is it just putting ads up or something? It's probably how they make their money. Close that down too. Um, yeah, so Gabba was blabbing on about some cylinder craft being filmed by lots of cameras in China today. Or maybe in the last couple of weeks, I don't know. Um, not sure if these guys jump on Discord, but yeah, he sent it as a DM, not to his regular threads. But I looked at it and it looked like a solar tube balloon. Um, I might just play his video here, but uh, maybe I should have just kept the browser open actually. Um, I'll just open it up again. I'll see if I can find the link to his video. And we'll have a quick look at it. Even though he hasn't joined us. <laughs> um, yeah, there we go. 
So I cut those images out thinking I was going to get to all those other ones on the solar wind stuff on today's fun, but I suppose I can maybe reuse that fun for the second part. So I might just call this part one. And that solves that problem. So see what you think of this one, Mike. <clears throat> As I get it. Now, I think he's got some crazy music on it, so I'll probably have to mute it. Um, he's got one million views apparently, and six thousand six hundred subscribers on his uh, channel here. Uh, just post it in. So we are doing some UFO bits here. Uh, no sound, that looks good. Some Chinese. He's only got 38 likes on it though. And he's used, he's comparing it to 18 wills, which I have banned, if you've been watching the last one, from Discord, but he hasn't been blocked from YouTube. Um, you probably read what um, he's been saying on Gabba's thread as well as some DMs and stuff I've posted, uh, which to me was really insultive and totally um, twisting what I said about their videos, you know, about the orbs. I thought I was really fair. I think I gave them more coverage than any other YouTube channel out there on UFOs. And... Um, they just call me all sorts of names and things. <laughs> and I thought I was very decent uh, about it all. Very professional about it all, right? I just can't get my head out of it now. <laughs> thinking about, about it. But uh, yeah, if you go and read what was said, uh, I d wasn't too happy. Uh, whether he stays permanently banned, I don't know. But, you know... So many, so many things I can forgive people. I just feel like, 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 like um, some people try and bring me down all the time. Um, people on Discord are really people that want to research and actually uh, work together rather than oppose each other all the time. That was the idea of the Discord, right? To share things and. Uh, investigate things and debunk things, of course. But anyway, uh, it is what it is. This is ufology. <laughs> it's like the scientists are fighting each other and um, they get excluded eventually if um, they get stuff wrong or they don't agree with it. It goes against their modelled universe of the Big Bang or whatever. <laughs> Standard model. Anyway, here's the video. He's got his flying cat intro. <laughs> he likes his cats. <laughs> there we go, cats. Because Chinese like cats, I guess, more than dogs. Ah, so this is the thing they're claiming is a cigar UFO. As soon as I saw that, I thought, solitude balloon. <laughs> anyway, just keep on going. Looks like it's drifting in the air current to me. 
or it could be a solar tube that some clever Chinese person has stuck some RC motors on, remote controlled motors, and able to push it along. Now, does it look perfectly straight to you? Because this is how I normally look at things critically, right? To me, it kind of looks like it has got some bends in it, like a solar tube balloon, especially at the end there, right? It looks like it bends slightly to the right at the top there. I reckon it's a solar tube balloon, maybe 50 feet long. Maybe they're using a wee bit uh, different material for the outside. Probably heated up with a hairdryer to start with to get it going. It does sort of look at thins off there in the middle there, doesn't it? To me, it looks like a solar tube balloon. But I know that Chinese are mucking around with these um, airships, by airships. I'm not just using balloons, but also airships. Uh, we've covered in past live streams, so we can't rule out it being some sort of balloon surveillance airship, right? And why didn't they keep filming it? And that's all we got. And he reckons there's hundreds of videos of this thing filmed by different people. So why didn't he include it all in the same video? So he's added some sort of invert filter, inverse filter here, which you can see it goes out of focus, and then he's added some lines around it, and that's it. <laughs> but he's got another video here where he compares it to 18 wheels. So again, to me, it looks like it's uneven at the back here, which would rule out some sort of airship to me it still looks like a solar tube balloon where they've tied it off and it's got more angle on this side where they sort of wrapped it around and you can see here he's taken the wrong image though the one i was looking at before looked like it was bending around but you can see it looks like it's got an uneven surface uh, so what's this other one here it's another angle or something of it from another camera. I don't know why he didn't include it into two different videos. Uh, on the same video, I mean. Uh, let's just play this one. There he goes again. This uh, cat UFO. <laughs> Okay. Give a beast. Okay, so can we see it on this one? You can see some smudge in the sky there. Is it moving? Oh, there it is. Uh... So that was filmed during the day, the other one in the evening or something. Plus we've got a light behind it. 
which could be anything plain uh, RC plane RC drone remote control drone doesn't look like it's terribly big to me looks just like the size of a solar tube balloon and look look looks bent there sagging the way but but yeah um again he's, he's saying i'm wrong but yeah you can see it sags a wee bit there And again, we don't see much. Could it be faked even? We have to see other angles instead of this side of the building. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's just another one of these UFO things. Ah, went to the one where he compares it. Did he have another link? Did I miss one? He had another link where he compares it to the Astro train. <laughs> Maybe the Astro train? Uh, let's see if I can find... Was there another one? But I did um, do a quick search for comparison. Uh, and I found Met Metabunk had done something on solar tube balloons. So Gabba is saying, what are you talking about? I don't claim anything. I tell everybody in the comments could be military shit. Drones. Uh, what did I say before that? I said... So disprove it's not a solar tube balloon first before claiming aliens. <laughs> My guess solar balloons or airship. So he's saying he's not claiming anything on his channel here. But I don't know what he's saying. He's, he talks on it in Chinese. Um, yeah, where's the one with the... Maybe it pl automatically played. I thought he was took comparing it somewhere to the Astro train. And I found this thing on Mick West. Solar tube shaped UFO over Khorastan. Sounds very similar. Ukraine. CGI by Cubster brothers so that's uh, donuts is it CGI though or have they simply displaced a solid balloon onto a video here So Mick West looked at this and said it was a solid tube balloon, I guess, and others in the end said, no, that's a known hoax channel. But, you know, that's what it looks like to me, one of these things, right? 
I mean, you could stick some RC motors on that. See, it's got the slight the slight bends happening, and you could remote control that probably because the the motors and the batteries are very light now, and it'd probably be able to strap it on there because they're quite big. But it shows it can be done by CGI, so could it be like some clever CGI thing from various Chinese people? Trying to con people? Don't know. CGI is very tricky. UFO interest. It's not a solar balloon, it's just CGI. So that's where he got that information from. So even Mick West uh, wasn't sure by the looks of it then. <laughs> uh, what year was that? 2014, so that's when he first started up, right? So even Mick West got it wrong. So I thought it was quite a good uh, example here. But, you know, you've got uh, people launching these solar tube balloons. And uh, that's the famous horseshoe one from the Donuts guys. Which is those German brothers. So yeah, I don't know. To me it looks like a solar tube balloon, but it could easily be CGI like um, was found out there. So yeah, where is this other one that you sent me then? Let me just have a look. Hmm. Could have sworn. We said here, Astro train spotted in China, and that's the link that I got. But when I did play it, it did have the Astro train added to it. So let me just go back to it. This has changed it. I don't know. Well, maybe I didn't finish the video. It is quite long, isn't it? Eight minutes. So it's got to be more to it. Maybe I... it must be this filter. Maybe I'm... let's turn it off. Uh, it's messing up the player. Okay, that might be what's going on. Uh, that's better. Uh, so, yeah. He does uh, do more after. Okay, he did some filters. Ah, right, now it's making sense. <laughs> um, can't see it with that filter, though. So that's not really useful, Gather. Um, let's see, you said something there. I'll just have a look. <laughs> The internet seems to be getting flooded recently with fake UFO videos. Yeah, I've pointed out a few as I do live shows. So he's repeated that a wee bit. Is he going to progress on? <laughs> that doesn't really add anything to uh, it. I'll just open up full screen here. 
Uh, as soon as I do that, comes up with that. Uh, that's probably what went wrong because this filter that makes everything black seems to not handle the pop-ups makes them invisible over top of the stuff that's why it wasn't working so he's got another set of filters here <laughs> you can see how that makes it a wee bit easier to see maybe um, but it's still it's not going to solve what it is so is it CGI? Oh, something just popped up then, I probably clicked it. <laughs> oh no, it's still going, good. It kind of looks bendy. But it's got the bend in it. Bend, and then it goes back up. It's a solar tube balloon, it has to be. Alright, um, let's just keep on going. Would you do CGI that bad? You know, you can see it's definitely a pixel lower. You can see it bends. <laughs> it's a really bad video though. I better tell him that we looked at it. <laughs> no, but then he'll spam the side chat. <laughs> So he's looking at that bright light there. And that's, you're not going to get anything by mucking around with the filters on that. It's too pixelated. Yeah. Uh, Gabbit doesn't understand how to use the filters properly and know when they're not any benefit and that's one of them and he does it on his orb videos too and I, I said um, before 18 wills joined in um, trolling me in his thread I said to him that those outline filters don't add anything to it so it's pointless doing it and uh, I said the orb that disappeared on video and is b bigger than uh, satellites passing by could be still anything and I said it could be a weather balloon that's reflecting the sun and it suddenly shows up because it's on the right angle to the sun or the right um, uh, superior mirage or something like that where it's sort of is not actually in the sky where he's filming but it's actually being projected up there right although I didn't say that but that's that's what I'm thinking now there's another possibility that's why it suddenly appeared in the sky it doesn't have to be a UFO it could be something natural and I said also the min min lights and then I got a load of abuse <laughs> he's saying to 18 worlds if you've read the thread oh he's calling my orb this and this and this <laughs> I didn't I said I don't know and I said it could be this could be this there's suggestions I didn't say it was solved by any means <laughs> But yeah, it's how things get twisted around what I said and I just, yeah, I just had enough.
I wish people would see it my way. Uh, it's like, like I kept saying, sky watchers get all upset when you um, don't agree with them, right? And they're still going on about the geese video. <laughs> and enough of geese videos. There's not much you can do of it. It's down to pixel level like this one. And uh, let's see. I think he's talking on it. Oh, no, he's got crazy music on it at the moment. <laughs> Why would you put crazy music like that on there? Oh, that's just stupid. <laughs> that's not good, putting crazy music on it. Is this one of the Astro Train? I think it might be on the other one. It's because um, that filter was messing it up. Uh, remember that one? Hey, hey, the video was clearly birds of some sort flying. Yeah, but if you say that, you'll be enemies of 18 wheels too. <laughs> Are you going? Yeah, I'm going to wrap up now in a, in a minute anyway. just want to go back to this one just to show that he's got Astro Train on it. And just wrap it up on that. It's, it's a big leap to go to Astro Train, which was the way he drew it was uh, really a really T-shaped craft that was really high. And it wasn't a skinny tube like that. And, he, and uh, the video that he ref recorded looked like, to me, I said at the time, looked like reflection of airship because um, it was like a torpedo shape it wasn't like skinny narrow like this uh, solar balloon right but if you, if you go through this one here there is more now <laughs> I think it was a pop-up that uh, threw me off um, so he's he's claiming on this on the side here too um of that one there that someone filmed so they're putting lights in solar tube balloons now is what he said because it's lit up daytime and nighttime well they could do couldn't they <laughs> who's to say that they haven't got leds on it you know they might have an RC motor on it, like I just said as well. Like I said, it could be anything, really. But Alien Craft would be way at the bottom of the list from this one. Um, and then he said here, he said it was the length of two times jumbo jets. Well, does How can you tell the size here? Now, we saw it going past buildings, and it didn't look that big, did it? Uh, it's really hard to estimate distances and size from a video, even with your eyes. Um, let's see, because we see jumbo jets flying above us, right? We know mentally how big they are. But if it was some other type of thing in the sky, like a solar tube balloon that was lower down, we'd think it was the same size of an airplane, but it's not. It's lower down, it's closer to our visual. 
So you can't predict the size by looking at video or even standing outside looking at it because it's something they haven't seen before. And here he is analyzing it to the ashtray train and if you listen to him he's talking about 18 wheels and stuff here. Detailed drawings. I spoke with my friend Doug. I explained, I talked to him about this. First name basis now, <laughs> Doug. I just keep it to their nicknames. <laughs> and in the video, I explain exactly what he saw when he photographed. Hey, he's got crazy background music, so there you go. So I just wanted to show that. No wonder he got to a million views if he's putting that sort of stuff up, right? It's no different than... Uh, what third phase is doing, you know, I thought um, He was on our side <laughs> But no, nah, I think maybe I've been conned again but Anyway, hope not uh, I just don't understand at all between the sky watchers and UFO channels and UFO watchers I'm just looking for the truth and to me I don't see alien craft, something drifting slowly across the sky. If it suddenly stopped and then went vertically and come down to land, then we got no choice to say, well, that's really unusual. <laughs> um, and we don't see much of that video, right? We don't see where it, they don't sort of, if you saw that in the sky, wouldn't you try and jump in a car and follow it? You know what I mean? We'll get on a bicycle or something. Not that we got bicycle at my house. Uh, we used to. <laughs> uh, but we had old crappy bicycles. Uh, I think we might have one from the 1970s in the shed as well. <laughs> Instead of a BMX bike or something useful. Anyway. I thought I'd just show you that um, that's what's doing the rounds in China at the moment, I guess, with Gabba uh, taking on, doing his analysis. <laughs> um, but he probably won't tell them what I said. My friend Paul said it was a solar tube balloon. You can see how it bends here. And you can see it's drifting, looks like it's going with the air currents. Nah, that won't happen, I don't think. But anyway, I'm going to go and good night all. Ah, I can't type. <laughs> good night all. And I'll let it process and upload it. I'm not sure if I'll do it tonight. I might do it tomorrow. Tidy up tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, we've got an, a part two to do of this, obviously. Maybe sometime in the middle of the week, maybe. Since no one comes to watch anyway, <laughs> apart from a couple of you. Um, it doesn't matter what time I do it. I've tried late in the weekend, and I've tried... Uh, standard time in the weekends for Fridays or Saturdays or whatever. 
I'm not too sure when it's best time to suit everybody, but obviously it doesn't work. Um, but we got um, Robert Farmer coming on. Uh, hopefully next weekend, uh, midnight Sunday in UK. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, he's going to be covering updates on Roswell and nuclear sites affected by UFOs because people are claiming that's a fabrication and I think he's got some evidence that proves otherwise but anyway good night all see you again soon of course I got the doctors also Friday so yeah it's going to be a busy week coming up probably and I'm still fixing my camera. It looks like it's almost got rid of the water droplet in it. So I have to repair that one, seal it up, and put it back outside again. So I want to do a, a sky watch very soon. <laughs> and I need to dash to the toilet. There we go. End it. Okay. Looking good. And uh, how many hours have we done? Must be up to four again. Three and a half. Oh yeah, four. Yeah. Oh, more than four. I'll just quickly end it there, I think. Because I've got a bash. Oh, is it working? Hopefully we get some more likes and comments. Give it an hour to process probably. 